The 2024 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Championship presented by Valley Sports Midwest and Great Southern Bank tips off March 7th through 10th. Celebrate 30 years of Arch Madness at Enterprise Center. Get your tickets now at archmadness.com. Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to the March of the Arch podcast in this 2023-2024 Missouri Valley Conference season. We've got a great episode. We've got some non-con. We've got some conference games getting uh, kicked off. And we've got Paul Orn of the Victory Bell joining us for um, a very timely interview about Valpo and the Missouri Valley Conference as a whole. But before we get into that, how are we doing today, Baker? Dude, we're doing good. We're uh, we're officially in Missouri Valley Conference season. And uh, what better way to start it? But um, Vance, you sound awesome today on the on your microphone, and uh, this has been a long time coming, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not clinking the quarters together, which people are thinking that you're just like sitting there with quarters by your ear anymore. So, so like when we say we bootstrap this thing, like we bootstrap this thing, and by when I say we, I mean me. Uh, most of the time, I'm doing it off of my phone. Most of the time, I have plug-in headphones into my phone that I didn't realize make a sound because I can't hear it. Um, so you know what? Let's just say the production quality um, is up in the martial arts studios. Um, sound engineer Kona, you know, made an investment, plugged in a couple wires. Um, the uh, the Sawyer household purchased a, a new laptop. We have a microphone that Baker bought me two seasons ago that I haven't been able to use because uh, I don't have an at-home um, computer. So all in all, hey, we're on the up and up here, Baker. Sound quality is great. It's it's a new day. Yeah, you sound tremendous. It was actually getting kind of bad the last episode because I, I think it was like the first time I was like, Vance, I don't know what you're doing <laughs> in your earbud, but like it sounds like two quarters are like clashing against each other constantly. And I and I it was funny. I saw on Twitter somebody mentioned something to you in our questions for later. Uh, mentioned something about what the audio, what was up with the audio quality? Because I think last episode it was it was a little dicey. I'm also happy to report I have new internet, so my internet out here um, is was terrible. Um, so we got fiber internet installed today. So this is real fresh, listeners. So you say we're not committed to uh, this podcast. Uh, you know, we made, a, made quite the investment on the uh, engineering side of this one. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Just in time for Valley season. But Vance, do you want to quickly talk through some of these non-conference games before we get rolling into the conference play? Absolutely, and I'm sorry, but Baker's been giving me a hard time for a while that I need new internet, and not just today's the day. So yeah, but we do have some non-conference uh, games to get into uh, since the last time we've had an episode. We'll start on Friday, December 22nd. There's a three-pack of games. Drake went on the road and lost at UAB in a heartbreaker in overtime, 79 to 78 to the UAB Blazers. Uh, Murray State lost at home to Southern Methodist University. SMU 92 to 65 and Southern Illinois beat up on a really bad Southern Indiana team 81 to 50. Yeah, um, I, I guess the game that I think everybody's 
probably uh, circling on the calendar. Um, Drake and UAB, that was a tough game. Uh, Tucker DeVries with that big three-pointer late in the game um, with about two seconds to go to tie it and send it into overtime. I think everybody was kind of like thinking, okay, this is where Drake's going to kind of take over. Um, really kind of a rough rough overtime period where it was kind of a back-and-forth deal. Um, and unfortunately uh, for Drake, they uh, weren't able to get the win uh, on the road at UAB. Kind of a tough loss for them as they closed out the non-conference season after having really good non-conference up until that point, uh, dropping their second game of the season. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you take a step back from Drake, just being fair, they only lost two games after losing the players that they did last year. I think that's a still successful non-con, uh, the rest of the day, Southern Illinois taking care of business against not quite the Southern Indiana that we are used to over since last year. Um, so good, but good win at home is nonetheless, and then uh, Murray State, tough loss against SMU where they got run out of the building. Yeah, that, you second, don't half, do that. that second half for Murray State was was, was tough. I'll, yeah, just, I'll just um, say it that way. I mean, down eight at halftime and then just laid an egg, um, getting beaten that half, 43 to 24. Um, but ultimately, hey, maybe a little going back to Drake real quick. Um, this is one that if we thought two-bid Valley um, is still on the table, I still do. Um, with Indiana State, but this could be one that Drake's going to look at on Selection Sunday if they're in the mix that if this goes the other way, this is a big help. Um, I'm not saying their hopes are gone now, but this would have gone a long way um, in their with the full breadth of their non-conference season. This one um, could be – they'll be wanting this one on Sunday if they're in that at-large conversation. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I think this is going to be one of those games that they'll circle. But I think them having the big win on the road – well, not on the road, as neutral site, but still in Nevada against Nevada, I think will help them when we get into the at-large conversation. So um, within within, as Missouri Valley Conference teams, when we're looking at the top teams trying to look for an at-large, you can't have too many of these. That said, they've only got two this conference season. And a loss to UAB, while it's a game you should have won, it's not like the end of the world. Yep. Nope. That's exactly right. Um, it's just more of there's so little margin of error for mid-majors come selection Sunday. And you know what? I hope this is a problem we have, uh, that, that they're in the conversation. We're talking about potential two bids um, come selection Sunday. But let's get into the next game on Sunday. We're talking about a huge road um, win. Missouri State went to St. Mary's out of the um, whack. Um, 69 West, 60, West Coast Conference, West, oh, West Coast, Coast Conference. Sorry, thank you. Um, 69 to 64 going on the road and winning. This was a big one, Baker. Oh, dude, this was huge. Um, big time game, especially. Uh, St. Mary's is not quite St. Mary's of old, but still a tough, tough, uh, place to go on the road there to win. A uh, huge win for the Bears. I was actually, uh, it was funny, I was actually putting together a Christmas present during this game where I was like, literally like watching the game and trying to like screw in this basketball hoop thing. And I was like, just watching the entire time. And it was just, I remember my, my wife was like, why, what is taking you so long? And I was like, the bears were in a battle. I got to watch this game. Um, No, but it was, uh, there was a couple moments in second half where um, it looked like St. Mary's was going to kind of go away with it. Um, Austin Mason was really good in the second half for Missouri state. Just, I mean, a lot of guys really were good in this game for, for Missouri state. And this was kind of a good gut punch win because they've had a, Missouri State's non-conference has been pretty good, but they've had a couple of stalls. You know, the game against Tulsa was one of those. Uh, the Middle Tennessee State game is another one that they wish they had back. But um, I think it was kind of righting the wrongs of those games, and this was a really good 
pick me up as they head into conference season. So um, big time win, especially for the Valley, because we've been kind of jockeying with the West Coast Conference uh, as far as Ken Palm and different metrics online. So um, getting this win kind of cemented us above them uh, mm-hmm. as we go into our conference play. So that was that's just another feather in our cap, um, adding on to a really good uh, non-conference. Thanks for cleaning me up there, Baker. We'll move to after the holiday season. Uh, games picked up on Thursday, December 28th. We won't talk about this one, but Bradley beat Truman State at home, a D2 opponent, or yeah, D2 um, opponent. And then moving on to Friday, December 29th, we had uh, um, a ranked game where your Illinois State Redbirds went to Kentucky and lost 96 to 70. Um, Valparaiso went to Elon and lost on the road 82 to 78. And then Evansville went on the road and lost at Cincinnati 76 to 58. Yeah. As, as far as the Redbirds, uh, Kentucky game, um, I mean, far more talented team beat them. Uh, there's not, I don't really have a ton to say about it. Um, but Miles Foster was really good. He had a double double in this game. Um, he stood out to me as a really good player in this ball game, but, um, Illinois State going to Kentucky. It was, you know, I think we all make the jokes because Evansville went there and had the upset. But I mean, realistically, Illinois State is not on the level of Kentucky. And this is, and for what it's worth about Kentucky, this is a really good Kentucky team. This is a better Kentucky team than they've had in past years as they've kind of gone back into the like one and done model for them. They've got a lot of, mm-hmm. they got some good shooting. Antonio Reeves, former Redbird. Um, it's bittersweet seeing him play out there. But I mean, now that we're done with this game, I mean, I'm going to root on Antonio Reeves the rest of his career there in Kentucky. He's been an awesome leader for that team. Um, tough loss, though, for a team, but a good experience for them um, going into a hostile environment because they had a huge crowd for that game. So yeah, um, not much else I can really say about that one. Um, I, I do want to get into the uh, Valparaiso versus Elon game. Um, hats off to uh, to Valparaiso, Vance. They they were down, uh, looked like down and out, and they mm-hmm. fought all the way back and uh, almost came came through in the end, Vance. They did. I mean, uh, when you think down and out, I mean, they were down 29 to 42 at half. Um, they actually outscored Elon in the second half, 49 to 40. But, I mean, you thought that game was over at halftime, and they yes. got it. I'm, I'm looking. They got it within five, four, um, yeah. late in the game, under the 10-minute t- uh, mark in the second half. So, um, just when you think you're, you're st- and we talked about this with Paul a little bit of you start to write off Valpo, they continue to battle. Um, it's just more of, do they have enough horses in the stable, um, to, um, win some of those battles here coming into conference season? Yeah. You know, Jahari Williamson is one of those guys, a uh, freshman that I don't think gets a lot of play for Valparaiso, especially with Cooper Schweiger on the team. And he's been having a good game, but both those guys were, uh, 20 plus point players in this, uh, uh, game against Elon, so I, I was, I was impressed with their fight and their gut to try to get back into the game. But ultimately, I mean, it was just going to be a, it was going to be a tough loss. As for the final game of the day, um, Evansville going on the road to Cincinnati Vance, uh, shorthanded, purple aces. <laughs> There's, uh, this was going to be a tough, tough task to go to Cincinnati and win. And, um, you know, Hummerkaus didn't play. I mean, Chuck Bailey didn't play. This is, um. Not an ideal situation for them going to Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost, I wish they wouldn't have come out of the locker room after halftime, right? They went to the locker room with an eight-point lead, and then it was really those first 10 minutes of the second half that um, Cincinnati held them to, I think, what, 10 points in the first 12 minutes of the second half, um, yeah. whereas they went on a 28-10 to, to 10 run. 
um, over that time period. And that was just, they were deflated. And um, as you mentioned, they were shorthanded. They didn't have two of arguably their best players um, for that game. So um, it's one of those of uh, glad to see them punch Cincinnati early on, but um, 40 minutes just weren't there for the purple aces. I think they've got a full complement of players. I think that might be a different ball game without them playing. I, I truly believe that with the with the first half that they played and going in the second half, I think that having some of those guys to stop the run, Hummerkhouse has his game lends itself to kind of plugging those runs. So I would have been it would have been nice to see him play that game, but uh, unfortunately he wasn't able to. Absolutely. And so um, we've got a two pack of games of non-conference games on Saturday, um, December 30th. Um, one really marquee game um, with Indiana State headed. Uh, went to Michigan State, uh, but lost um, kind of in a heartbreaker late, 87 to 75. Um, and then Murray State hosted Middle Tennessee State um, and won at home 75 to 54. Um, hey, Baker, um, you know, watching that uh, Indiana State, Michigan State game, which we'll uh, start start with here. Um, hey, did you know that that was the first meeting um, since the Larry Bird Magic Johnson um, 1979 NCAA tournament championship game? Which I thought was just wild, man. I, I couldn't believe that when they said that. I was just like, how have these two schools hadn't just not played each other? That's I feel <laughs> no. like that's criminal. I know, but then you know what? After about the first media timeout, I was pretty sick of them ramming it down our throats for um, the rest of the game. <laughs> well, how did they not even have the guys there? Like, where, where, couldn't we get Magic and Larry in the building for this one? <laughs> one of them. But- I mean, how many times did they show both those statues side by side in that broadcast? <laughs> About 50. Um, as for the game, Vance, um, I give Indiana State a whole lot of credit because uh, Michigan State came to play. Um, this was the Michigan State that I think a lot of people expected when they were top five team to start the year. Um, they did not take this game lightly. And after the game, you could hear when you when you heard Izzo's comments, um, he was ready for this game. They didn't go into this game as like a layup game. They knew how good – Indiana State was, and and he was very complimentary of Coach Shirts as well. Um, but I give Indiana State a lot of credit because they didn't ever go away. They had all the reason to go away with that building rocking. Um, they were playing really well, and in the second half, they punched them right away, and they brought this game right back. Um, this was this was one of games that I think I mean they were in it till the very end. Um, the score is twelve, but. I mean, this was a competitive game all the way up until the, the final four four minutes. I would say the one thing that stood out to me was um, Robbie Avila getting in foul trouble. Uh, this was not his game. He really didn't impact this one at all. And um, that, to me, I think is the difference in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, NSA took a five-point lead in the second half. I mean, Isaiah right. Swope scored five in a, in a <laughs> row, and they were up. I mean, Isaiah Swope was something in this game. And yeah. Um, Izzo mentioned him in press conference as well. Of Absolutely. I mean, this guy just kept punching us um, uh, in our in our mouth. So it, it's one of those hats off to Indiana State. Um, you know, I tweeted this out, but at the end of the day, this should put the fear of the Almighty into the Missouri Valley because yeah. uh, come conference, I mean, Indiana State's for real. I mean, they went they went to East Lansing and didn't back down and uh, took a lead um, in, in the second half and like what and could have could have won. I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind they they could have left there um, with a win. They they deserve to be there. They they put, they're at that talent level um, of one of the the top game the top teams of the Big Ten. So um, I, I was I mean 
yes, I wanted to win, but I was proud of the effort on the national stage with the storyline of the first meeting since the Larry Bird Magic Johnson game. And it wasn't a blowout. Um, I think even you could tell after the game, the commentators, I forgot if it was, if it was Wally, who, uh, Sizerback, uh, who does the, the CBS, um, post game but even then like you could tell they were like looking for their notes of we did not expect this to be a game or we're gonna find some notes on this game um and find some <laughs> players names for indiana state um, i don't yeah. know if you can see them kind of scrambling but you can kind of tell on some of those <laughs> you know and you we we notice this all the time when as, as valley fans i think we notice that when the when the announcers are calling our games and it's more like the national crew like an espn a fox sports in this case or cbs with uh, you know the illinois state drake game they don't really know our guys and and it's mm -hmm. and i i try to give them a little bit of leash because it's like vance you and i can we can go back and forth and say oh roy hibbert said this on the cbs broadcast but he doesn't know what he's talking about but it's like he doesn't know the valley he's not yeah. paying attention like we all are so i give him a little bit of slack on that um but no i saw that crowd needs lance my nephew even texted me halfway through the second half he's like is india state gonna do this thing and i was like I, I don't know that i was i was like you though vance just proud of the effort um i think ryan conwell it, it, it wasn't his best game either um, I think he played. He's played a lot better this season as well. Um, Isaiah Swope was kind of the the cog that kept things rolling. But um, if we look at this kind of from a high level with Indiana State, real quick, just taking a step back, looking at the non conference, only two losses for them as well. I think that they put themselves in another great position, as did Drake, and they, you know, I would say had a good non conference. This is what you wanted. Um, they didn't really have the, the their two losses are to to Alabama and Michigan state. Like they, they have, th those aren't bad losses folks. That that's great. So their resume is going to be just fine as long as they can play well in conference play and be in the mix for that at large spot. So no issue whatsoever with Indiana state real quick on the Murray state, middle Tennessee state, not a ton to really say about this except for Murray state beat the crap out of them. And it was great to see. Yes. This was a game. Murray state absolutely had to win. And it was one of those, like, their season was kind of starting to circle around the drain, and now it feels like it's kind of bumped back up, and we'll talk about their Valley game. Um, this was a game where they were in complete control in the second half, um, and I was I was really happy because you could, you know, we follow these teams, and, you know, we have, obviously you as a Southern fan rival with Murray State, but, like, like we watch these teams, we watch Murray State play all the time, and as a Valley fan, it's just like, it kind of kills you for these kids because you know how good they are. You know they're trying. You know they're working hard every day. And it was good to see them kind of get over the hump, get the win, get a little bit more confidence as they get into Valley play. Um, so shout out to Murray State. Good win against Middle Tennessee, who's actually beat, who we talked about earlier, beat Missouri State earlier in the season. Yep. Hey, we get to put a bow on non-conference because it is fully conference season, Baker. Um, I think that when you think of the non, when you reflect back on the non-conference, Baker, uh, as we close it out, and, and we're recording on January third here, so we're we're after a couple conference games, but we're top ten um, conference after non-conference season um, when it comes to Ken Palm and I believe Net. Um, I don't have Net right in front of me. Um, I think that from an expectations perspective, Baker. Um, I think this beat my expectations for what I thought the season could be um, from where the Missouri Valley as a whole stands um, from a non-conference perspective. Where, where are you at kind of on that radar? Well, last season we were 16th to end the season. 
as conference, um, which is middle of the pack, and that's unacceptable as Valley fans. This feels a lot, a lot better. Um, you're no, you, if you look at Ken Palm rankings, you're within striking distance of an American and an A10. Like that's not, you were kind of, you know, we were even toying with being in front of either of those leagues or during this non-conference season. I think we've positioned ourselves really well to be, um, if you're a top 10 conference, you have two very viable at-large contenders going into the conference season as well. Um, I don't think we have more than two, uh, just to be right. fair. Um, but I, I feel really good about where we are as a league, Vance. And I think as long, as long as we don't see any like craziness happen with Drake and Indiana state and they, and they have good, you know, 16 win season, 15, 16 win season, they're going to be in the mix as mm-hmm. good as the league is, because the one good thing about it is like outside of like Valpo, there's not really that devastating loss yeah. on your schedule anymore, which is in past years, Vance, you know, our bottom four last year, um, like Illinois state, for example, I know they were in like the two fifties, two eighties. Now they're hovering around 200 and that's, and that's a good thing. The only team really like that right now is Valpo. So Overall, great non-conference season, Vance. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you want um, is two viable options. I mean, we want more, but from the last couple of years, having two viable options for at-large is where we um, want to Vance, be. Vance, we, we, we questioned whether we had a viable option last year. Last year, I think we were both like, let's just get to Arch Madness because, like, does the conference season matter other than hanging a banner, you know, at this yeah. point? Like, yeah, we were it, doing it, gloom it, at this point. It mattered because it mattered to us because we right. always, because we're Valley fans. Yeah. But like this season, it's a totally different deal. Like just thinking about it, like if you if you kind of go down the list, and I don't want to just dwell on Drake and Indiana State, which obviously there are bell cows right now, but like Southern Illinois, um, eight win conference season, nobody saw that coming. Overachieved, beat Oklahoma State. You know Belmont, uh, what they win seven or eight games in non conference play. Um, you know, Missouri State had some good wins. Evansville, way above expectations. Illinois State as well. UIC. If you go down the list of how their non-conferences went, like other than maybe three teams, I would say Northern Iowa, Valpo, and Murray State, outside of those three teams, and Bradley, I'd say to an extent as well. So maybe those four. Like you have teams who, you know, either met or exceeded expectations, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Baker, let's get into conference play. Um, we're going to start off with UIC heading to the Banterra Center to take on the Southern Illinois Salukis. Just as a reminder, this is uh, both these teams' second conference game, which is why it happened on the same day as uh, Indiana State played Michigan State. Um, so Southern Illinois won this game 62-50, to 50, uh, but really the final score was not indicative of this game as it was a, a close one up until about the last uh, four minutes um, timeout um, where – Really, Xavier Johnson um, in route to scoring 31 points um, gave this league some separation with a, with a very timely three-pointer uh, to put him up five. But USC went on the road, um, fought hard. Isaiah Rivera for the Flames had 18 points, and um, he was tough, Baker. Yeah, to me, um, I, I know you were a little bit you know, kind of uncomfortable during this game, especially in the second half. To me, I it always felt like you were – Southern Illinois was in control of this game. I it felt like they were the better team, especially at home. Um, but give UIC credit, they hung around as they usually do. Um, Isaiah Rivera's guy who we've talked about at length on this podcast, who's been awesome. But um, starting the conference season, 39 points. Uh, Xavier Johnson, 31 – I'm sorry, 31 points on 39 minutes. 
Um, didn't really do it with a three point ball either. Um, only three threes, but this is, uh, um, I mean, this is kind of the calling card for Southern Illinois basketball. Um, I think playing UIC, um, and we'll get to the next game, which I think is more impressive of a win for Southern Illinois. I think against UIC, you can get away with just having kind of leaning so much on Xavier mm-hmm. to come through with a big game. Um, I don't know if you can, you can replicate this against the better teams, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, yeah. But, like, it's a Valley game. It's at home. You took care of business. I don't think there's anything to be upset about. Exactly. It was just a little too close for comfort um, that early on. So, uh, moving on to January 2nd, Happy New Year to Valley Hoops fans out there. Uh, Three-pack of games. UIC went to Murray State in the CFSB Center. And Murray got a home victory. Actually, all home teams won on this day. Um, 85 to 73. Toby O'Connor for the UIC Flames had 20 points, six rebounds, and three blocks. Jacoby Wood in the victory had 17 points for the Racers. Yeah, nice win for uh, for Murray State in this one. Um, you know, we talked about that Middle Tennessee State, how it was such a big game for them going into conference play, and um, you know, it was it got really tight at the end of the half. I, I think they were tied at halftime, 43 points. Um, but in the second half, it just kind of felt like Murray State kind of just chipped away at him, chipped away at him, um, extended that lead out where they were at arm's length for the entire second half and um, kind of cruised to the win, to be honest with you. Uh, Brian Moore Jr. had a really nice game uh, for Murray State. Um, this is a uh, this is kind of that Murray State team, though. Uh, they were impressive. And it was the, you know, you look at the, if you want, if you just look at the box score, Rob Perry, Jacoby Wood, Quincy Anderson, um, Brian Moore Jr., all in double figures for this team. Um, Apple White finally putting his fingerprints on a game uh, with 14 points as he's only played a few games so far for the Racers. He's going to be a guy that as he as as the season goes further is going to be much more of an impact player for the Racers. And um, to me, this was one of those games, Vance. They just it was it was another good win for them, um, and should keep the momentum going into the weekend. Um, two and one in conference play, Vance. I mean, um, that's what you want to be at this uh, time of the season. Um, So we will go to Southern Illinois hosting the Belmont Bruins in the weirdest first half uh, for this Saluki fan. It ended up going our way, but um, they took care of business at home, 73 to 63. um, Leading scores for the winning uh, Salukis was Xavier Johnson. Again, 18 points, eight assists, three steals. Dia for Belmont um, dominated um, in the paint in the post for them. 25 points, seven rebounds. Um, I'm going to talk to those were the, or sorry, on the Slukies ends. Yes, Xavier had the highest points, um, but it was all about bench scoring um, for the Salukis. They had over uh, 30 points off the bench uh, for the Salukis, which um, if you know anything about the Salukis in the past couple of years, um, that's crazy talk uh, to get 30 points off the bench. Um, and that was led by Scotty Abube with 12. And then AJ Ferguson off the bench had 15 points. Uh, for those that maybe don't follow the Salukis as much, AJ Ferguson has been hurt and this is only his second or third game back. Um, he was starting at the beginning of the season, but coming off the bench um, right now. But um, at the end of the day, I was talking about that first half. Um, 
head coach Casey Alexander got tossed in the first half. Um, very quick two technicals. Um, he was arguing a call and got the first technical. Um, and then uh, my my guess is he said some magic words to um, referee Antonio Petty, who um, let's just say uh, likes to likes people to know he has a whistle um, and made it known and uh, sent Casey to the locker rooms early on um, in this game. So kind of a bizarre start to the game. Um, I, I don't think it had that big of an impact on the outcome. I mean, but losing your head coach is a, is a big deal. But at the end of the day, um, it doesn't take away anything from the 10-point victory for the Salukis to move to 2-1. and one. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think if you uh... – when you lose your head coach, that's always obviously a factor. I don't necessarily know that it would have um, was the difference in this game. Interesting to see Malik Diaz start finally for uh, Belmont. 25 points. He had an awesome game in this one. Um, really filling up the stat sheet. But I think the more important thing, looking at the Southern Illinois game, and we talked about them against UIC and how I said, you know, when you play the better teams in the league, you cannot win. In my opinion, I do not think that you guys can win long-term if it's just Xavier Johnson, you're relying on him to score half your points. Now, this is, if you look at the box score for Southern Illinois in this game, much more balanced advance, much more. Like you said, Scotty Abube had a good game. Um, you know, Xavier still had his 18, and I think that he's still going to need to score his 20 points. But if, you, if you're if you a Southern fan, you, this is what you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Scotty played a full, like, minute the last game so like when we're talking about matchups and what brian mullins is doing like yeah. that's that's what southern's throwing at people so i don't even know if abube would have came up on the scouting report for some teams but he matched up so well um with belmont um in this game yeah so, no kenner kenner davis really i think the only thing that i could maybe point to he didn't have a he didn't have much of an impact on this game but yep um overall vance i think if this is what Southern Illinois is going to be, still keep you at 63 points, um, which I think is their average on the season. I think the announcer said that's the average of what you guys give up per game in the season. Um, if that's where you guys are playing defensively and you're getting this balance at home, not a lot of teams are going to go down to Carbondale and win games. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, so let's move on to your team where Illinois Woof. State went to, <laughs> went to the NAP Center to take on the Drake Bulldogs and um, <laughs> lost 88 to 71. And and we said this off air, um, but I'll say it on air, Baker. Um, this final score was not indicative of this game. Um, th- this game was over early. Oh, no way. Like this was a 30 point loss. We lost <laughs> by 17, folks, but don't let it fool you. This game was way worse. Th- if you were watching, I think we were down by 32 or 33 at one point. Um, the score makes it look a lot closer than it even was. And that's a, that's scary to think about. Um, hey, you won the second half, Baker. <laughs> I, did, we did win the second half. <laughs> I can't believe we won the second. I was even thinking about that toward the end of the game. I was like, God, when uh, um, Schmidt came in and hit a couple of threes, I was like, are we really going to win the second half? That's just going to be like the, like the biggest nothing win, but eight and right was awesome in this game for uh, Drake having those 21 points. That's all he had, but he had them all in the first half and he was absolutely awesome. Not there's really, I can, you can get into details about this game. Um, if you want to, to me, it was a game where Drake had a absolute mission going into this game, their intensity defensively. I don't know if I've seen all year. This is the best I think they've looked defensively, making it difficult on Illinois State. Um, they were shooting at a great clip. Before they took their starters out, they were shooting 64. It was either 64 or 63%. This was about 10 minutes or eight minutes to go in the second half. 
when they finally took all their starters out of the game, they were shooting at 60, 62 plus um, percent from the field, which Vance on the road in the Valley, you're not going to win a game on the road when the other team's shooting 60 plus. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Drake. They played awesome in this game. Illinois State did not play awesome in this game. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of good things to say about the Redbirds in this one. Um, uh, I mean, you can look, we had a couple guys in double figures, but I think a lot of those, some of those points were when it really didn't even matter, fans. Yeah, um, hey. this, was a, this was a game that Drake took a quick lead. Illinois State made a nice comeback to make it respectable. And then kind of the it, what, what stinks is this is the old this felt like the old Illinois State where they would let teams get that full separation in the final four minutes. And that was the kind of scary thing as an Illinois State fan because quite frankly, they didn't play well. Um, but a lot of teams are going to go get boat raced down in uh, Des Moines. So it is what it is. I mean, and, you know, just for the listeners out there, we are friends outside of this podcast. Um, and I another thing I said off air is, hey, we got 30 balled by Indiana State back in November and you essentially got 30 balled by Drake. So been yeah. there. Um, I empathized with you. Uh, but full transparency, I, I switched over this game after uh, the Southern game because this was a late start um, one. And um, I saw that you all were down 30 and I kept it on. But my mind was elsewhere. Well, you knew you knew I was going to be watching, so you're probably yeah. well, <laughs> Baker's got this one. But no, hats yeah. off to Drake. Um, huge win for you guys. And um, it, going, you know, this was a losing that UAB game, Vance. Just from a Drake perspective, you knew they were going to come out just mad, mad as could be, and they were just ready to play. Brody, who I thought was going to have a real advantage in the matchup against Illinois State, didn't really have a great game, but um, you know, Aiden Wright was awesome. Um, Connor Enright was kind of played kind of that pest role, but to, in like a good way, if you're a Drake mm-hmm. fan, um, kind of did those dirty things. And I mean, this was uh this was a really impressive uh, win. And uh, I think it was a nice change of pace for Drake that they got a nice comfortable win as we continue to go through conference play. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to Wednesday, January 3rd, the night that we're recording in uh, one game um, went down to the wire and um, finished as we were recording. But we will start with Evansville heading to Indiana State. Indiana State gets it done 87 to 73. Um, Evansville went on a little run in the second half, but this game was out of reach uh, pretty much the entire 40 minutes. Yeah, they they made a run late in the game um, and actually covered the spread, which is uh, <sighs> what a backdoor one there. Um, the uh, uh, spread was fifteen, folks, and Evansville lost by fourteen. Uh, this was a game that they were. Uh, I, it was I never never. I think they got it down to what eight fans, and I mm-hmm. never felt like they were coming all the way back. And it was yeah. just a little bit. It was too little, too late. Uh, give them credit. Um, you know, we talked to coach Raglan. Um, this is a team that plays hard for him and you can see this. Um, they still have, they're still playing shorthanded as well. I think that's, uh, you know, Hummer Kaus did not play in this game as well. They did get Chuck Bailey back in this one. So, uh, that was good to see, but Indiana state took care of business at home. Um, maybe, a, maybe you could kind of draw some similarities. Um, I guess it was a little bit closer than the Illinois state Drake game, but it kind of felt like at a certain point, Indiana state had it and they kind of just let them come back. And it was not, but it never felt like we were, if you were watching this game, you never felt like, like Evansville was going to get much closer than they did. Yeah. Um, I'm I, like, I, it, I mean, was more, it was more yeah. of an experience like type second half of, Hey, it's good times. Let's run some different sets. 
Let's give some guys some experience. There was a timeout. There was a timeout late in the late in the second half where it was uh, Evansville had got it down to I think it was seventy two eighty, and it was a time. It was a, there was a timeout with like two to go, and um, I was like, okay, well, Indiana State's surely going to come back, and Jason Kent uh, came through with a couple free throws. I think it was, and that was kind of where they started separating things, and um, that was it. Evansville just ran out of gas. Yep. All right, let's go to um, the second uh, kind of blowout game of Wednesday, January 3rd. Bradley going on the road and beating Valparaiso 86-61. to 61. Um, This is the Connor Hickman um, game for Bradley. He had 28 points, three steals, um, and pretty much Bradley, Bradley cruised. Yeah, Connor Hickman, uh, nice to have him back if you're a Bradley fan. Huge win for them. Um you know, going on the road to Valparaiso, uh, this was a tough loss for Valparaiso. Uh, I think one that they maybe going in thought that they might have had a better chance in, especially because Bradley's been kind of reeling here in the the past little while. But uh, you know, not a ton to say about it. They they cr- pretty much cruised through this one. Um, and you know, it's funny in the last few years, I think in the, you know four or five years, they've had a f- couple battles going to Valparaiso Vance. So um, Bradley start as they've gotten healthy, you know, Connor Hickman's back with this team had a great game tonight. Now they won their third game in a row. Um, now you're starting to think they're now they're one and two in the league. Is this maybe the Bradley that we kind of saw really early in the season is starting to come back here. So um, we're going to learn a lot about them on Saturday. Agreed. And we will go to the game that just went final. Missouri State drops a conference game at home to the Northern Iowa Panthers, losing 64-62. to Panthers go on the road and get a huge Missouri Valley Conference um, win after a lackluster non-conference. And this podcaster has been very down on Northern Iowa. But one thing is constant that we've said is, when conference play comes, we know Northern Iowa and Ben Jacobson get the boys ready. Um, this was a game of two very similar halves um, late in the game. Um, with about five minutes to go, Missouri State takes a one-point lead, and ultimately it was back and forth with five minutes to go um, up until some big buckets by Bowen Bourne, um, a three-pointer to put him up four with about a minute and a half to go. Um and then uh, Austin Mason came down and hit another three to get him within one, but um, they have to go to, into fouling situations, and Northern Iowa closes out the Bears. Huge win on the road. Um, Huge. This is uh, Bowen Bourne, 20-plus points. Uh, is Bowen Bourne back? That's, that's now. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think we need to throw that out there in the universe. Um, He's back. Anytime you win on the road in the Missouri Valley, it's a tough thing. And when you go on the road to Missouri State, Springfield, Missouri, not an easy place to win. So uh, give Bowen Bourne a lot of credit. 21 points for him. Jacob Hudson, 19 points. Um, this is the guy that they – this was what they desperately needed last year, production from that five spot because um, it always felt like – and we, we talked about it at nauseum that Titan Anderson, it felt like we was having to play two two post spots to get at once. Um, huge, huge game uh, for him. Going on the road to Missouri State, Vance is, is a tough, tough ask. But um, yeah, I, I think this is one of those. I think the conversation now needs to, before we get into Missouri State here, I think the conversation needs to go is Northern Iowa creeping their way back in as they always do? 
Absolutely, they are. I think you said it at the top of the podcast of, you know, or no, sorry, this is offline when we were talking about who we thought the top four were. Um, but Northern Iowa is just right up there. And, you know, we, this was we were talking about that before this game went final. And now we have to solidify them as, are they back in that running? Yes, they're, what are they, one and two now in conference play? But, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's hard, it's to, hard it's to win hard on the road. Forget, but it's hard. It, listen, it's hard to forgive that Belmont loss. Yeah, because that's still that is still I think I think the total belief in this team is still a couple of wins away, even though they've won four in a row um, and they've looked really strong doing it. A couple wins on the road too, with Northern Illinois and Missouri State. Um, really, uh, man, this is I, I I it's starting to feel again like and and going back to your Christmas gift for them being a good conference member with the non-conference and um. It's starting. It's it's that quality team that we knew was was there all along, and I think they're going to be in the mix for that top four position uh, when we and get if, there. That, go ahead. Yeah, and if they're getting hot, let's get. There's no better time to have Indiana State coming to your place. I mean, they host Indiana State next. No doubt, no doubt. Um, uh, real quick, I want to Cesar Edwards for uh, Missouri State. Phenomenal game. He even he had a couple big buckets even late in the game. Um, coming off the bench for the Bears. Uh, awesome game for him. The uh, but no, I, I the Bears were the Bears got themselves down early in this game, and it wasn't a it wasn't my t- it didn't feel like the typical Missouri State game. It didn't feel if I don't know. I was never I was always kind of watching it like are they, they're probably going to lose this game. I, I was never feeling comfortable for Missouri State ever in this game. Yeah, I, I, man, I just continue to be high on Missouri State every year. And they continue to break my heart. They do. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just, I'm back to frustrated with the Bears and Dana Ford. It's yeah, no doubt. Where I'm at, I was pretty high on them, and here we are. We've all, we've all, we've all been high on Missouri State at some point, and, um, but you know what? Like they're they're one they're one of the most dangerous teams in the league still. So exactly. Um, and it's not like they lost to to a bottom end team. But let me uh, let's quickly uh, before since we can wrap up non conference or I'm sorry, non-conference and the first run of the conference games here, we can do the power rankings first, Vance. And so um, I got them tiered out a little bit here. Um, You can uh, let me know where I went right and where I went wrong. I think a lot of this is I have a big group in the middle, and you're going to see that. Um, I think a lot – I think we need about a week or two before we can really separate some of these teams um, because some games are good. Like Missouri State, for example, isn't that mix? Some games are good, some games aren't. But I think at the top, number one, I have Drake. Number two, I have Indiana State. Vance, um, they're cut above the rest. It's it's hard to argue that anyone is in that mix. I lean Drake just a little bit um, because Indiana State, they both lost on the road in non-conference play, so that's kind of a ding against both teams. But – um drake was they were both impressive at home but evansville came back a little bit closer than in illinois state so we're splitting hairs here they're both one and two you made case either way drake won indiana state two your thoughts um indiana state has to be one in my books i mean i know we're splitting hairs i think you just said that but um indiana state's number one just with michigan state and then um i just I, I don't think he was dethroned him yet. I don't think Drake has dethroned him or or put up the effort to dethrone him. Well, this podcaster is going to keep going back and forth as I have been <laughs> as throughout this season. All right, folks, uh, settle in because we got seven teams in this next tier. Uh, number three, I have the Salukis. Number four, I have Missouri State. Uh, number five, Belmont. Number six, Northern Iowa. Number seven, Bradley. Number eight, 
Evansville, and number nine, my Illinois State Redbirds. Um, you can look through all of these teams and find a flawed loss. You can look at all of them. They've had good wins. They've had flawed losses. You know, I have Southern Illinois at three. They've been really impressive. They got smoked at in Terre Haute. So, mm-hmm. like Missouri State, you can find that Tulsa game. Middle Tennessee, they've had their troubles there. You know, Belmont, same thing. They, it's it. You can go in Northern Iowa. You can go down the list. This is kind of what I saw in the last week of how I think they've been playing. I don't like if you want to argue that you know Illinois State maybe a couple ticks higher, Bradley a couple ticks higher, Southern maybe a tick below. I don't know. You can make a case. I these are they're all kind of in that mix. And I like I said, I think that we need about two weeks to really separate this group and for teams to kind of drop out of this group down below or maybe you know make their own tier above that. I think that's fair, right, Vance? Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to have to question Missouri State at four um, right now, just after losing to you and I tonight. Um, but since we last I, recorded, the best win is going on the road to St. Mary's. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And that's um, the, that was my case. And I like, and and the thing is, I know a lot of people are probably screaming about Northern Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. Got them all the way down there at number six. I'm telling you, it's you. You still can't forgive losing by twenty at home to Belmont mm-hmm. and they had a bad, they didn't have a good non-conference. Yep. So I feel like we're, they got to work their way up as well, but I, I, sorry to cut you off. Is there any other issues that you have with that list at all? No, not at all. Those, that was the only one that I, I think that people are going to be uh, screaming at their uh, radios, phones, whatever they're listening to <laughs> us on Spotify or Apple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, Missouri state was the hardest one to rank to be fair. Um, but I was like, you know, there's not a lot of teams that go out to St. Mary's and win. Um, finally, in my final tier, I'm going to group all three of these teams together. Um, I do think that their Valpo is below both of these two clearly, but uh, Murray State is my number 10 team, UIC number 11, Valparaiso number 12. Um, I'm looking really hard at Murray State as they continue to play through the Valley. If they can maybe win a couple of games here, Vance, and keep this run going. Uh, they're going to bump themselves into that mix where, you know, they can start to kind of finish in the middle of the pack here in the league, and it's not going to be anything of a surprise. So um, that's where I have those three teams. Your thoughts? No concerns. I mean, the only thing I got to defend the racers and say they're two and one in the Valley. So, I mean, I think that that maybe lifts them into that, that second tier that you created with SIU down to Illinois state. They're probably more in that tier than the third tier. I think the only thing I, and, and I think that's a, I think you can make a case and I'm sure there's probably people upset about that. My whole, my only kickback at it is yes, you've played well in conference and you could even easily be three and zero. you could easily won that game in normal. Um, that said, you had a really poor non-conference mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I, I hard to, I mean, Northern Iowa and Murray state are neck and neck for who had the most disappointing non-conference this year, Vance. Yep, I, so I agree. That's that's and uh, to me, Murray State is just kind of a tick below Northern Iowa, but in the same vein, they're both trying to work themselves up to where we feel comfortable with both teams. But like I said, Murray State, it feels like they're just about to break through to that tier because they are two and one, like you said. Yep, absolutely. Do you want to go through the standings real quick for uh, the Missouri Valley Conference where we sit after Game Three? Absolutely. So after game three, we have two teams sitting at three and oh, and that is Indiana State Sycamores and the Drake Bulldogs. And then we have four teams at two and one. That would be Southern Illinois, Belmont, Murray State, and Illinois State. 
Then we have um, a Missouri State team who is one and two. Bradley is also one and two. Evansville one and two. And Northern Iowa is one and two as well. So four teams sitting at one and two. Um, and then we have two teams at the bottom at 0 and 3. That is the USC Flames and the Valparaiso Beacons. Yeah, we're going to have a little bit of separation when we get next time we record uh, after we play the next couple of games because this is going to be uh, a lot of this jockeying in the middle. We're going to start to see which one of these teams can get that third and fourth win. Absolutely. All right, Valley fans, we are ecstatic to have recurring guest Paul Oren of the Victory Bell com where you can find him all things valparaiso beacons ring the bell for those valpo beacons always a pleasure to have paul on the martial arts podcast how we doing paul i'm good man i cannot wait to get to march march is going to be fun it's going to be it's going to be a game in st louis maybe a couple and then uh and then the portal and that's going to be fun it's going to be good times fun it's funny, if you listen to um, our last show, we gave out Christmas gifts to um, each of the Valley teams, and I actually gave the Beacons a flux capacitor so that we could go into the future quickly. Um, so in that vein, Paul, uh, maybe just from your seat, you cover the team in and out. Um, what's kind of vibe in Valparaiso as we enter the, the second part of the conference season here and what we'll say the next you know 18 games, just from a fan base and just as you're, as you're covering the team? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question because I think that there's two schools of thought around Valpo right now. Um, the one school of thought is winning is the only thing that matters. And so some people are having a hard time with this, right? Or, you know, people got very excited about the hiring of Roger Powell and they still should be very excited about the hiring of Roger Powell. But I do think there was a contingent of people who thought that this was going to be a one year like, oh, Rogers here, anything to get beyond where Valpo was at before and everything should work well. Um, that's just not a reality, right? It's just not a reality. Any team that has to redo their roster, I don't care what time of the year you do it, that's going to be a challenge. The second challenge is Roger got hired late in the process. So he had to rebuild a roster filled with people for the lack of a better term. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to the guys that are on the Valpo roster, but had to do it with a group of guys that really nobody else wanted, right? Like, like guys that were still available in late April and May and into June. All right. And if, if they were wanted by somebody else, they would have been gotten by somebody else and that doesn't mean these guys are bad basketball players they're not and that has been the second school of thought for me this season has been more fun than like any season I've ever had before and I wrote about this recently I know that not everybody on this podcast right now is a Green Bay Packer fan but I am and that team too has not been as great this year but every game has been fun to watch, right? Like, I don't know if Jordan Love and the Packers are going to win on su su uh, Sunday against the Vikings, but I'm going to enjoy watching it. I've enjoyed even that loss against the Giants, uh, the loss against, like, I've enjoyed watching this because you see the growth. 
And I think you see the growth with Valpo. I made the crack about the transfer portal earlier. Some of these guys are going to stay and they're going to grow. Some of these guys are going to move on because that's the nature of college basketball these days. And some new guys are going to come in. So right now, for me, I think there's a school of thought from people who, who thought that maybe this would be a little bit easier. And I think they're waking up a little bit. And then there's a school of thought for me of like, let's just enjoy the ride. You go to Ken Palm, Valpo's, I don't know, favorite is the right word, projected to lose every game for the rest of the year. Okay, so there's zero expectations. So let's just have a good time. Let's just enjoy it, like night in and night out. Let's enjoy the little victories, the little growth here and there. That's the way that I've got to look at it from a storytelling perspective. Oh, that's actually similar to last year as an Illinois State fan. That's kind of how I looked at things. And just before we continue with the Valpo talk, it's kind of in general. Paul, do you think it's even possible if you're if you're kind of on the late end of a coaching hire to turn it around quick? Like I almost think that you're just it's an impossible situation and you're going in as it's kind of a like this is gonna be more like probably more than ninety percent chance it's a lost year. Like unless you yeah. just get lucky and find these like I don't think it's even possible to be, you know, especially in a league this tough to be competitive immediately if you're if you because Roger Powell didn't get hired like the day after Arch Madness Valpo lost. It was a little while in between. So do you even think that's possible? No, I don't. And I think Valpo got lucky on two guys. One of them is Isaiah Stafford, leading scorer for the team, 16 and a half points a game. Guy should should be an all-newcomer guy um, with in, in the Valley this year, I would think, mostly because he's going to have the volume to do it. Um, now, I know in a second you guys are probably going to ask me a, a health update on him. Truth be told, I've not stepped foot in the arc since the last game. So I have no idea. Like, I've, I've been out of town with the holidays and everything like that. Um, I meant to try to get in there today. It just didn't happen. And uh, I think they leave tomorrow for Elon. So I'll know in a couple of days whether or not he's he's good to go. Um, but, but Isaiah Stafford. There was a connection there with one of the guys that Roger Powell hired, Quentin Garrison, who knew Isaiah from a young age, right? So they were able to, to land him. Now, I don't know how he got overlooked, Isaiah Stafford. He was he, he was on an undefeated JUCO national championship team. So it's not like coaches didn't go and see them play, right? That guy went to Illinois and hung 30 on Illinois, including 23 and a half. And Terrence Shannon said, hey, I'm going to guard this guy and kind of took care of business in the second half. And Isaiah's had some up and down games and, and he shoots a ton, but he is a guy that, that, that Valpo probably doesn't get unless they have a relationship there. So they got lucky there. And then Cooper Schwieger is a guy who just got overlooked, right? So many, we talk about the like college coaches now are going for the portal. They're going for the grad transfer. They stopped kind of recruiting high school players a little bit. Um, and so they went and found a guy, Valpo went and found a guy who I think loves it at Valpo. I've gotten to know his family a little bit. I don't think that kid's going anywhere, right? And and so now you got two guys here, one in the short term, you know, this Isaiah's coming in scoring a ton, another guy that you can build with. Other than that, you know, Caspar Sepp couldn't get off the bench at the beginning of the year and now he's worked his way into the starting lineup. Uh some other guys, you know, Sherman Weatherspoon the fourth has had some great games. Ola Ajaboy has had a great game. Then he's had games where you're like, oh uh, is he even played today? Oh, he played 18 minutes, just hasn't done anything. You're not going to hit on all these guys. And they had to buy a bunch of lottery tickets late in the process. And I think going back to, to your question, like, I, I think, you know, even with, with Ragland at Evansville last year, he got the job early in the process. Uh, Pedon at Illinois State got the job early in the process. 
And those first years were basically lost years for both those guys. You see what Evansville's done turning around this year. You see what Illinois State has done. And I think that's what you have to be prepared for for Valpo. I think it's so hard in that first year, especially in a situation with those two guys, Raglan and Pedon, love them both, longtime assistants becoming head coaches for the first time, Roger Powell becoming a head coach for the first time. This isn't like a first-year deal where you're bringing in um, – you know, who did, who did Evansville Licklighter or whatever bring in, you know, like it's not a guy where you're bringing in a longtime coach. These guys are learning how to be coaches on the fly. Valpo had a game against Chicago State where uh, some coaching decisions in that game probably cost them. And that's something that he'll learn from. And so lost year, I'd say growth year, but yeah, you, you can't can't expect too much out of it especially given that Valpo made the decision to move on from Lodic late and then hired Powell later it was tough tough timing so as you think about coach Powell um we haven't talked to him since he was named we interviewed him so how have you seen around Valparaiso him put his stamp or his mark on the program you know I think we can point to the grit chain uh that you know we've seen come out every once in a while but you know just from covering them day in and day out what is his mark on the program with the fans and then ultimately the players well make no mistake about it Roger Powell is the face of Valparaiso right now I mean he's on all of the marketing he they're doing this Powell party of six promotion where he and his family went to a bunch of different restaurants during the summer and into the fall They've, they've done all these vignettes with that. It's it, Every game is part of the Powell party of 5,000 as they're kind of strive to get to that point of having of, of filling the arc. He's a, a, he's a vocal, vocal, vocal guy, right? And he's got to be, you know? Not only are they trying to get the program back to where it was, and I know it's a place that no one in the Valley has seen it, but this place has had a very proud, successful basketball program. They're also trying to get an arena built, which will be a big part of that, right? If they get the arena built, I mean, that's going to put them, you know, on par, if not ahead of a little bit of the, of the facility stuff, which I think you guys know Valpo lags in a bit. And so they need him to be the figurehead for all of that. And he's doing that job and he's putting some energy into this place. Everybody, you know, that, that, that comes into contact with him, you know, can't help but but feel his energy his magnetism a little bit and and i'll tell you i was at illinois you know his homecoming game and one of them asked a guy you know asked a question in the press game post-game press conference about um you know when did you know you wanted to be a coach and he said man i never wanted to be a coach i just i like to mold people i like to bring people together and then he he gave this great answer. And I'm getting chills in the press conference thinking about his answer. And uh, and that's the kind of guy that he is, you know. Um, now, you know, every once in a while, I got to step back from that and say it's my job to cover this team. I think Valpo hired the right guy. I think he's doing everything right. I love the fact that he is building young and he didn't go for a bunch of fifth year grad transfers because you do that. Then you got to do that over and over and over again. And so um I think people are excited. There's energy there. And I think, uh, in, in a, I don't really know how to say it other than he's playing his part in terms of being the face of the program and of the school to a degree. He's getting out there. He's shaking hands, all of that. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting to, to, to see and, and be around. Yeah, no, you can definitely, you can see the excitement. I know when they, you know, there was a celebration when they, I can't remember which game it was that they won, they had the chain out. Everybody was excited. Like you can tell there's an energy with him and with his players. You can even see it on the sideline. There's like a 
it's not one of those coaches that's not animated or anything. Like he's into the game. He's into it. And he's been a winner everybody who's win. Um, so I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum. We have no doubt that he's um eventually gonna find success. One guy that you did mention earlier that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, Cooper Schweiger, um, a freshman that really, like you said, wasn't really on the radar. And I'll be honest with you, when we were previewing Valpo at the beginning of the season, I think I mentioned him, but I wasn't like, you know, this could be a all freshman, all newcomer type player, but he's I mean, to me we were just doing the all-conference teams, Paul, and he's a no-doubter at this moment for the all-freshman team. Like, he, they're the cutoffs after him for the kind of locks as of this point. So I just want to know what have you seen from Cooper and having covered the league so often um, and seen so many freshmen come in and out the door, you know, last year with Cade Tyson, there's a lot of really good players and you've seen over the years. Where do you see him as where he is in the middle of his freshman year and what kind of do you think that he can get to? Yeah. Oh, first of all, here's a guy who he came in. I met him. Um, I, I, I gotta say this. Uh, he commits. I do the story on him. His dad subscribes to the victory bell right away, which was great. And then before I, I don't even think I met Cooper yet. Uh, my girlfriend and I were going out to Kansas city as part of a summer road trip. And I think I tweeted about that. We were going to be in Kansas city and his dad shoots me a message with listing out a bunch of different restaurants we need to check out, stuff like that, right? So, like, right from the jump, you just got the vibe that, like, here's a here, here's a dad, here's a family. And, and little did I find out that Cooper's stepmom, I believe, uh, played soccer at Valpo, like, you know, in the 90s and, and didn't even know that at the time. And, um, and so, right there from the jump, like, I was like, all right, I got to pay a little bit more attention to this guy. You know, like the dad's giving me good barbecue recommendations. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, I, it just, you kind of felt like this is a guy that, that was going to fit in a little bit. And then I, I remember watching him in practice and I, I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. You know, like he was just, he's just really good, good footwork, all that. I mean, he's not Ben Cricky, but he was playing the position that Ben Cricky was playing. So like my eyes are going to that spot on the floor because that's where Valpo has been so good lately. I remember talking to Roger during uh, late late in the summer, late in the late in the training camp, or whenever it was, and he, he said something like, uh, "You know, I did that reporter thing where I said who's going to start, you know, but I think I probably asked it uh, not as blatant." And uh, and he talked, and he basically said, "You know, man, I, I think like Cooper, like, but I, I don't want to really want to give a freshman a starting spot. I want to make him earn it." And I said, "Dude, he's earned it, you know. Like, look at the, look at him out there, you know." And uh, and sure enough, opening night who's in the starting lineup it was Cooper Schweiger and here's a guy that I think with age is just and it's probably going to come a little bit quicker because he's playing more uh you know you go back to Ben Cricky his freshman year <clears throat> here's a guy who didn't play a whole lot his freshman year Donovan Clay got a lot of the minutes there and Clay obviously as soon as doing at Missouri State he should have you know but but I think Cooper is going to learn every game is uh is more growth for him um, he can hit shots. He can go outside top of the key can hit shots. He's got a great release from out there, uh, inside he's banging against bigger grown men. Watching him go against Brody was, uh, was hard to watch. I mean, but that's growth. And I think again, you're going to see a guy that, I mean, for the lack of a better way of, 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 of lack of options, they're going to keep putting him out there. And, um, 
And, you know, he had a little bit of a freshman wall, I think, a couple games ago, and then he bounced back with a nice game against Samford, and they've had a long break now, and we'll see what happens here as you get into conference play. He'll now be at the top of the scouting report. Stafford Schwieger are the top two guys right there. Definitely. And um, and so you'll see how he, he's going to have to deal with that. But I, but I like him a lot. I think he's, I think he's excellent. If he stays, uh, which I think you have to say about everybody now, no, uh, I'm not yeah. I'm not saying I've heard one way. I'm not saying if he stays, I think this is a guy that could be a a all conference level player earlier than later. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's I think he's shown, you know, he'll have those you'll see a few freshman mistakes here and there because he's still young, but for the most part it, he looks like he's playing beyond his years. Um, you know, you talked about guys leaving and things like that are kind of synonymous with Valparaiso over the years. You know, you talk about a Donovan Clay leaving early, JFL left early. Um, and it's kind of been the story, you know, you think about, I think in the what if world, if these all guys all stay, the amount of talent that Valpo has accumulated over the years, it could have been, it could have been really great. So I, my, my, my question about what's going on, like the vibe around from a fan perspective, is it kind of have everybody's flipped the page of what could have been, are they kind of outside of that? And they're focusing primarily on, Hey, we've got an awesome coach and a great opportunity to be great with Roger Powell going forward, or is there still kind of that stinging uh, ness to the fan base? Cause we talked to Valpo fans and you know, there's some that are kind of like, they're very prideful with Valparaiso basketball and they see what could have been. Is it still kind of like, are we still living in the past? What could have been, or have I, we shifted as a fan base? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I would say that, that for me, I'll just say for me, when I go into the gym this year, it's like walking into a different planet than last year because of the people that are wearing that uniform you know and and also because like they put new lights in the arena it looks different it looks brighter there's a dj in there now like there's some good vibes going on but like even darius who has played excellent this season you know as a point guard and as a leader of the team you know yeah it's been very good barely played under under lock he barely played under the last you know jerome palm is is it's kind of seeing the same trajectory a little bit of like he's starting the year and he's kind of getting his role phased out a little bit it's just really the nature of of Caspar Sepp stepping up mm-hmm. I mean you know I, I kind of sit there at times and I'm like oh look there are five newcomers on the court right now there's really I mean with the exception of the fans and the stands and myself as a reporter and Todd Eichau and Brandon Vickery the support staff and and all of that like there's very little uh, continuity in the Valpo basketball program from a couple of years ago and even last year. So there's kind of woulda, coulda, shoulda. We had this guy, we had that guy thing. I don't think fans, they probably shouldn't be doing that. You know, I know from me as a reporting standpoint, I've, I've, you know, like, okay, so Valpo's going to open with Bradley. I'm not even going to look at the box score from last year. Like it doesn't even really matter. Like, okay, what did Connor Hickman do against Valpo? What did, you know, what did the, you know, what it is just it doesn't really like comparing it to last year you can't really it's such a different energy and vibe now um you know valpo i mean when valpo plays bradley i mean they're two oh and two teams two teams that have lost their conference games let me repeat that bradley is oh and two they haven't won anything tony they haven't won anything (laughs) no okay i got i get out no yeah what I was going to say though is to that point, and and maybe it's a, maybe it's an outsider perspective from a non-Valpo fan as a Valley fan because I mean you know the league you I mean we've talked about it on the podcast a couple couple of weeks ago because a lot of people always you know the old the old saying is guy kick Valpo out of the league and and I've always said that's just nonsense like stop that's kick rocks folks if that's what you're going to say 
But to that point, like, I don't know, maybe it's a maybe it's a narrative from the outsider fans who, as a as a league, we always know that we got to root for each other. We've got to try to play. We've all got to play well. So I don't know if it's maybe that and maybe we think it's different. And to your point, it sounds like it's maybe not the narrative when you. Yeah. So, look, I, I hear that, too. I know that people say that. And it's it's funny to me. Like, I I remember I mean, when I started this in this industry, when I started as a reporter, I was covering a Valpo team that was so far and away head and shoulders better than anybody else in the midcon. And it was like a fight to try to like everyone is fighting to get to the title game against Valpo. Valpo got out of that league. They went to the Horizon League, which was probably the right league for Valpo to be in. And then they put a lot of money into the program and they got the best class of players they've gotten with Alec Peters and with Jabril Adekoy and all that. And they made their, you know, they they won the league four out of five years that Bryce Drew was the head coach. They get to the NIT championship game. Um, you know, the, this happens at the same time that Valley is losing a couple of name programs in Creighton and Wichita State. And Valpo doesn't come from a great media market like Loyola or UIC, but Valpo has the basketball tradition that a lot of programs don't have. And I know that this is gonna this is gonna hurt some people, but like I'm so fed up with Southern Illinois fans talking about Valpo needs to do something. Because Southern Illinois hasn't done a damn thing since Valpo's been in the league, right? Now, they're a good team. They're a great school with great pride, and I love the coaches that are there. But, like, let those who are free from losing in March live in a glass house, right? And, like, so many programs that are in this league are talking trash about Valpo, and I have not seen them do – Valpo's made it to the championship game at Arch Madness. Where are these other teams? They're home. You know, and and again, like, look, I get it. Valpo's favored to lose every game for the rest of the year. So, like, dunk on Valpo now, and and you can and probably should. But, like, I'm hearing it from people who haven't won anything in the time that Valpo's been in the league. And I'm not trying to carry Valpo's water. I'm just saying, like, Valpo gets trashed on by so many people, and so many people need to look in the mirror with their own programs. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. The Mullins guys at Southern Illinois are awesome. And I hope, and the fact that they're doing what they're doing this year without the guys that left them is a testament to those guys. Right. So like, I'm, I want to be careful about like, I'm talking about the entities at times, not the people at times. I want to be clear on that. That's not the clip that'll get on TikTok, but there you go. I don't know how to work. TikTok. Are you okay? Are you okay? Did I, did I hurt you? No feelings hurt here. I just want you to know that I'm on record saying that I love Valpo in the Valley still. Um, so we can maybe compare notes um, after the fact here. But um, <laughs> but I'm also not carrying uh, the water. I'm not the voice of uh, Southern Illinois Saluki fandom um, either. But, no, I know. I know. Um, I, and it's not just Southern Illinois. It's just like I get this on Twitter from people who are like, Valpo's trash. Valpo needs to be out of the league. And I'm like, you haven't won anything. You like, you know. Because if we want to go back in time, Valpo was going to the NCAA tournament all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's that's who the Valley signed up for. And sadly, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, Valpo hasn't done their share. You know, they 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 need to get a new arena. It's there's a reason why guys are leaving Valpo to go to other schools in the Valley 
because they go see these other arenas. You know that arena, the John HQ, Bank, Hammonds, whatever, the Wyatt Wheeler writes about how there's no game day atmosphere at that place. That place is Taj Mahal compared to the Ark, right? And so, um, I mean, to me, though, like the amount of people who are just critical of like, let's kick Valpo out of the league. Okay. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, okay, uh, fine. Then, then if we're doing this based on NCAA, let's just do it based on Arch Madness championship game appearances because Vapel's got one of those. Oh, yeah. I don't want to talk exactly. about Arch Madness championship game. I know it's an Illinois yeah. State. There's an Sun, Illinois Sunday, State fan. March Sundays yeah, in March are not just, good days. Let's, for let's you. move past that. All right, I think we good segue here into Valley play. So as we're sitting here during this interview, it's the evening of December twenty seventh. Those beacons are four and eight overall, zero and two in the valley. Um, as Paul just mentioned, um, Bradley is also zero and two in the valley as well. Just want to make, uh, uh, make a note. <laughs> um, so you know, Paul, from your seat, yes, you cover Valpo, but you've been all over Mo Valley's um, conference for the last fifteen years, um, and so. As you look at the Valley this year, I think another thing going against Valpo is the Valley is better this year. So whenever you say things like, hey, Kim Palm doesn't pick Valpo to win another game the rest of the season, I think it's because the Valley is elevated at this point in the season than it has been in prior years. Um, so from your vantage point, what's kind of your viewpoint on the Missouri Valley this year? Well, look, I mean, I think – We've played two conference games already. Most teams have. Um, and the two that have only played one game, both are 0-1. So we're, we're, we've got four teams that are 2-0 and right now. And uh, I, I don't know that I – I mean, maybe Illinois State, bit of a surprise there. But um, I, I Indiana State uh, is the class of the league, in my opinion. I, I think – I think, you know, I, they haven't played a terribly tough schedule – They've played, you know, I mean, they did beat Southern Illinois and Bradley. They they beat Toledo in a close game. But most of their other games, with the exception of a 20-point loss to Alabama to start the year, were against like sub, you know, 200 teams. Um, that said, the way they're winning, they, they're so deep. They've got five guys averaging double figures. To me, I think as we sit here today, they're my favorites to make a, a deep run. I think um, Drake, obviously uh Brody looks so good um and and you've got the the young kid uh Overton I think is good Atten Wright is good you got Tucker DeVries obviously you know what what he's all about so those are the two teams if you if you're putting my money on it right now I'd say a lot of blue and white in the stands on Sunday at at in Arch Madness right now Belmont I think has got you know Tyson Gillespie um they've got some some good guys on that team uh Missouri State is always a wild card, right? They've got Donovan Clay, who's played in this league for five years now. They've got uh, Mason. They've got Lee, if he can be healthy. They've got they've got a team there. But can they – I mean, it's year in and year out with that group. Like, can they all put it together? Because um, I think they, they pound for pound, maybe the, one of the most talented teams. And we joke about Bradley. Bradley's going to be fine. they got to deal with Hickman's injury, and they got to figure out where they're at. But, I mean, the, at the end of the day – Wardle is a pretty pretty damn good coach, and they're going to figure their their stuff out. Uh, I wouldn't imagine them to be down. And then you know Northern Iowa too. I mean, I picked Northern Iowa to win the league, and they're zero and two. And I, I maybe I thought, you know, maybe because these guys have just been there for so long that I thought that Bourne and Heisey and all that would just 
would take that next step. They haven't yet, but I'm not going to want to play them in March. I'll tell you that now. I mean, and again, we're marching to the arch, so we're, we're talking about March. But but I, I, to me, I think there's a lot of dangerous teams that are out there. And I mean, we haven't even talked about the Evansvilles and the Southern Illinois of the world that I think, uh, you know, can also pose a threat. So Indiana State and Drake are the head of the league for me. But as you guys said, and as we've all seen, this league is is better than it's been in the past. And that's saying a whole lot, given the amount of people that walked out the door to transfer to the Big Ten, right? Lance Jones, Damask, Cricky, um, Rink Mast, and so on. And so the list goes on and on of guys that left. Antonio Reeves is playing at Kentucky. Um, there's so many guys at Power Five that have Valley footprints all over them. With you, and I think you tiered it up nicely. You know, in my mind, I think that there's four, maybe five teams that could win the league this year. I think that the first two games have set, um, I'm just going to say Northern Iowa, set them apart downwards because they started 0-2. But, I mean, it's a Ben Jacobson in conference play. This is when they start playing their best ball. Um, So I really like your tiers. And then, like, from your viewpoint, I really think it's – the through 12 is really a crapshoot interchange everyone in my mind um I, I don't think that the tiers really shake out as much as you work down the conference no that's that, that's my view that's my view of the of the valley as yeah. we sit today look i think valpo i think it's gonna be really hard for valpo to to get out of that 12 spot because i mean you look at the teams that are zero and two right now northern iowa and bradley are not going to stay there they're gonna they're gonna turn it around. They just will. UIC and Southern Illinois. One of the, they're gonna play in a couple of days. One of those teams will be zero and two as well. There'll be four zero and two teams. Um, I just Valpo's gonna have a hard road. They really really are. And and so I think you can pencil them in for the five twelve game. I really do. Now they might capture lightning in a bottle here and there, but I you know I so I. And I say that because I see them every day. I see the, the some of the young mistakes that they make, and those mistakes are going to start to go away. But that's going to happen just as the time that everybody else is getting a little bit better as well. So I think, you know, people always say, you know, our team is not as good today as it will be in March, but neither are your opponents. So everybody's going to take a step forward. So I I, I think I think it's going to be a challenge for for the team that I cover, Valpo. To me, I mean, any of these other teams, I mean, you know, there's got to be a winner or loser in every game. And I think we're going to be shocked by a lot of the the outcomes that we see. Um, Buckle in for games that are within one possession in the final 90 seconds, because I think we're about to see a lot of them. It's going to be it's going to be a fun, fun year. And, uh, you know, again, I, I would put the coaching in this league up against any other league that's out there. I mean, these guys are great great coaches. And that's the thing that I really love about this league compared to other leagues I've seen, you know, Valpo in is that in a lot of those other leagues, like if you became an elite coach, you got gobbled up by a bigger team, you know, Green Bay had a really good coach. Toledo grabbed them. You know, Valpo had a really good coach. Vanderbilt grabbed them. Um, you know, other thing. And now here people stay here a lot of the times, you know, you see a guy like Jacobson and, and, and so you see a guy like Wardle staying at Bradley um, you see a guy like DeVries, at least now staying at Drake. We'll see if that continues, but the league is so well coached. There's so many good teams and, um, Indiana state and Drake, that's my top. Yeah, you're right. I mean, one through 12 coaches in this league are all good. Like they're all quality coaches. Um, and I think to your, to your point about where people are going to finish in the league, like you look at, you know, and I, I know I'm going to come as a homer saying Illinois state, but like Illinois state and Evansville with the, with the fact that they don't have to play 
two games against Drake and Indiana State, they've got that uneven schedule where I think that actually is going to play a factor as we get further in where, you know, maybe a Bradley who has to play a harder schedule doesn't have to play Valpo twice. Maybe they that's a little bit harder of a run for them. Um, ultimately, as far as Valpo is concerned, um, and I've I, at the beginning of the season or beginning of the preseason, we talked about would they win a conference game? And now I think at this point I've gone on record and say I, they're not going on twenty. Um, where do you kind of where do you kind of put your expectations as someone who follows the team? Um, how many wins do you think should be expected for this team going forward into the Valley play? You know that's a so that's a really good question because they're going to start at home against Bradley, and in that game. Bradley's down a little bit. They've been struggling. Now, before they were struggling, they were hot. They were doing really well. Yeah. And you never know with this long break that everyone's kind of had. I'd expect Bradley to come out. They've always done well. They've always shot well on that gym. I would think that they're going to win that game. But here's the thing. If Valpo can steal that game against Bradley, they've got some confidence. Then they go on the road at UIC. And that's a team that you can probably you can probably have a chance to to go play and go and go beat. Uh, there's never a lot of fans there, particularly this game will be January 6th. I don't think the students will be back. Like I just, it's, there's never a lot of people there. They've only had two over 2000 in their opening game. And since then they've been under two, I think it's been 1500 on average per game, yeah. which is yeah. for a Valley team. That's kind of ridiculous. And Valpo has always traveled well there. And, mm-hmm. um, and so then like, then you got Southern Illinois at home and then you're at Illinois state and then you're at Evansville. And again, with the exception of Bradley, you're looking at four teams that are not at the very, very top. Now I know Illinois state has started off well, and they have got some players on that team and Evansville has started off. Well, they've got some players on that team, but the schedule actually sets up nice for Valpo to have a chance to build momentum. Now, on the flip side of that, if they get blown out at home by 25 to Bradley, like they've done almost every time they've played Bradley, it feels like. And then you go at UIC and you lose a heartbreaker like you did last year. And then you got now all of a sudden now it's like, oh, we're in the valley. This is a gauntlet. We're not winning. And it can just build. And so I actually think these first couple of games are going to are going to play a big. And then and then you get in a, a spot later where it's like. Man, you're you got Missouri State, you got Drake, you got Indiana State, like three out of four games. And it's gonna be really hard there. So to me, I would say three or four wins probably is uh and again, that's such a low number. But I I'm gonna I'm gonna ask to come back on here in three weeks in two weeks if Alpo has has won two of these games, because then I'm gonna start to think, okay, they they're starting to figure it out a little bit. And and they are starting to figure it out a little bit. Um I think it's going to be a hard year. I wouldn't be surprised if they go four and sixteen, but I would still, I would still say that they were going to have as good a shot as any against the five seed in, in the conference tournament. Because I think a five seed is probably going to be uh, a eleven and nine team or something like that. You know, just the way that that the league is going to be is going to be so con- concise in there. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think the one thing about Valpo, if you look at them from a conference perspective. Last year, it was a team that just couldn't get over the hump. You'd have all these just close losses and backbreaking losses where, you know, you had the Drake overtime loss at home where it just felt like that happened. It was just a constant. There was the game at Murray State where you had it in your hands, and and it was it was that constant battle. But this, like like you said earlier in the show, we wiped the slate clean. That team, the 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 stigma of that Valpo couldn't get over the hump 
last year. This is a totally different team. And to and me, none of the guys after, on the team experience that. Even the guys that are playing this year, right. Darius, Jerome, Connor Barrett, who's who's just working his way back, like they weren't part of that last year, really. I mean, Darius a little bit, but none of those guys were playing meaningful minutes in the roles that they are now. So again, it's we have such a, a, a mindset of like, oh, let's compare like what Valpo did this year. Oh, the last time they did, it. you got to wipe the slate clean. You know, like comparison is a thievery, a joy. And that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit with that. Yeah, no, and I think, and I don't think that's unreasonable to think three or four wins, just because if you've watched Valpo this year, um, the amount of talent and the shooting that they have, um, any given night they can get hot and beat anybody in this league. Like they they have talent on this team and it's talent you might not have thought was going to be there earlier in the season when you looked at the roster. But now that we've seen them play, um, this is a team who can give a lot of teams fits, especially as we go through the season. Um, Paul, shifting gears though, one thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, as someone who's covered Division One basketball for a long time and has seen kind of the evolution of things with NIL and conference realignment and things like that, as a conference, the Missouri Valley Conference, do you what kind of where do you see us, you know, going forward in these next couple of years? Is it do we need to be more aggressive about maybe adding more teams? Do you think that we need to just kind of hold the fort as we are right now? And um because because look, I mean, there's there's talk of, you know, with the NIT changes, a lot of those power six schools kind of want to get away from mid-majors or even in football, the power five one or power four now want to get away from us. So where do you see the Val or the, the Missouri Valley and what we kind of need to do from your seat? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think I was a little naive when the NIL stuff came out because I thought to myself that it might be actually based on name, image, and likeness. And like, where else would you rather be than a city like Des Moines where there's no professional sports and you could go be the point guard there like a Roman pen and get a bucket full of cash to go work at the car dealerships or do whatever, right? Or like drive the drive a car around or whatever. Or like Northern Iowa, you put Bowen Bourne on a billboard, right? Like people are going to know who that is, you know? And then you look at, at other big markets, like in Chicago, if you threw a UIC basketball player on a billboard, I don't think people in Chicago are going to know who that is. So actually, there was a part of me that thought, you know, there's a real po- possibility that these smaller market teams – we're going to be able to do great in the NIL landscape. And then I kind of realized that NIL was just like, okay, we're just going to get our boosters to give a bunch of money to these people. Right. And now, you know, instead of saying, okay, I can go to Des Moines where I can be on billboards and and get money and all that. Now I'm going to go to university of Iowa where I'm going to be the 13th guy on the bench, but I'm still going to get a ton of money because they're just going to have boosters who are doing all that. Right. And so there was a stretch there where I actually thought that NIL was going to be incredibly beneficial for, for some schools in the Valley and very problematic for other schools in the Valley. Valpo being a school that I thought it was going to probably be pretty problematic for, because this is a high school basketball town. Now Valpo high has got a kid right now that, and, and I'll say this, they got a kid right now as a junior at Valpo high who he could choose to stay at home and play at VU now, I think he's probably going to be good enough to go play. He could probably play in a Big Ten school or something like that. But now with maybe NIL, maybe Valpo can say, okay, well, we want to be able to, to make an offer to this kid or, or whatever. And again, that that's, goes against what was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be a school making an offer. It was supposed to be the kid getting the chance to say, okay, I feel a little bit of exploited because you're putting me in a video game or whatever. I'm going to go get my own thing. And that's the danger right now is because how many people out there 
around these athletes are going to have their hands out that have nothing to do with the kids, you know, uh, long-term hopes, dreams, anything like that. And that's the danger for schools like this, for, for conferences like the Valley is how many people are going to vulture on these kids and on these schools and on these leagues and all of that. And I just, it's sad to me, you know, and I, I want to preface this by saying, um, that I went to a different school my freshman year and then I transferred to Valpo. So I've got nothing wrong with people transferring. I had to, it took me a year to find my right spot, man. I can't, I can't deal with these, these athletes who are on their fourth school in six semesters, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? You know, like that to me is just like, like that's hard and that's going to be a problem. Like, uh, you know, Southern Illinois and, and the COVID thing was weird too. Like I can't blame Ben Cricky for transferring. He didn't really transfer in my mind. He graduated from Valpo, you know, Nikki Coriel, the three-time Valley goalkeeper of the year and just led Valpo soccer to the NCAA tournament. She just announced she's going to Kentucky. Well, she's going to graduate from Valpo. She doesn't have a chance to pursue the, the, the masters she wants to get, but these kids who are like, Oh man, like they're just, they're going to chase the payday every single year. And some of these guys like, might be the biggest payday they've ever gotten. So I can't hold that against them. Like is Damask or Lance Jones, are they going to make more money later on than they did this year? I mean, probably not, you know? And so that's that's hard for me. I think with those two specifically, I mean, those two are similar to Ben Cricky where they were there for four years and they kind of yeah, graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their, their different outlook. But no, I think your point is, I think your point is very valid. And I, and I like your perspective from the NIL front. Um, Kind of shifting to the alignment, though, um, I've always said on the podcast that as the Missouri Valley, like if you look at, you know, Ken Palm, for example, and as a league, you know, we've always kind of been in that nine to 12 range ish on on a bad year. Maybe we fall outside of that. Maybe on a good year, we're a little bit out inside of that. Um, But to me, if you're if you're looking at the college basketball landscape, I've always said we need to stay within the top team. We need to try to be a top 10 conference, because at some point, if the big boys want to move away from um want to move away from like having the the 32nd the 31st ranked conferences your MEAX, your you know your horizons who's who's more of a lower ranked conference you want to be in that top half you want to be in that top 10 or 11 when they when if they do ever break apart because to me it feels like they could do their own thing but they're not going to totally do their own thing i feel like there's enough there's enough good basketball in the Mountain West and the A10, and there's enough money in those leagues that you would want to bring them along. And you, as the Valley, I think we need to we need to position ourselves that way. Do you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, and I'm frustrated because I think one of the things that I enjoyed when Valpo joined the Valley was the Valley Mountain West Challenge. I always thought that was so cool as a fan's perspective of no question know, who who was watching the Valley from the outside perspective when Valpo used to be in the horizon league. And I would get excited because I'd be like, Oh wow. Southern Illinois against UNLV. That's a, that's a fun game. Like that's a, that's a, that's a rarity kind of game. And the fact that the mountain West moved away from that, I felt was like a huge slap in the face to the Valley. And one of the frustrating things is I don't know that the Valley has replaced that. And I don't know where they would replace that. I mean, do you like, you wouldn't, I guess you wouldn't want to say, okay, let's do it with the horizon league because you feel like you're the best Midwest conference. And so, so to me, I feel like would the Mac make sense? Would that be something that you could do? And, and, you know, and and then I just, or, or, or is there something else, you know, can it be the West coast conference? Can it be whatever, you know? And I just, I, I wonder where the Valley, like, 
we look at the valley as you know to quote our guy uh, mitch holtis as america's renaissance conference right like but how do other people look at the valley and yeah, that's something yeah. that i'm always interested in and and when, when, and, yeah. and sorry to cut you off paul but you were even mentioned about like losing the mountain west challenge like if you think about 15 years ago we had the bracket busters were also a humongous asset to a lot of these conferences as well and that's gone away and i always thought to myself you know god if we're if we're in that American Mountain West, A10, West Coast Conference, maybe even the WAC or the MAC, a couple other conferences kind of in that top, you know, 8 to 16 range. Man, it would be who is who of us to have a bracket buster again. Yeah, I, I loved the bracket buster until I absolutely hated the bracket buster. And and the reason I, what I loved was I love the fact that in late February, you could get 10 teams five games or whatever on national television to get exposure that you couldn't get before right valpo had a couple of these valpo played miami of ohio in a triple overtime thriller it was an amazing game it was on espnu or something like that and at a time when you could not get nationally televised games now valpo on the valley or espn plus all whatever espn3 espn plus espn watch whatever it is um all those schools that kind of have that the frustrating thing that i didn't like with the bracket buster was all of a sudden, you know, you'd get like a uh, a Butler and a Northern Iowa matched up against one another because they were the two two of the best mid-major teams that are out there. Yes, Butler's a mid-major. And then one of those teams would lose, and then the NCAA selection committee would point and say, oh, well, they can't even beat a mid-major, so we're not going to put them in the tournament. And I thought in a weird way we were, you know, cutting off the nose despite our face kind of deal, and, and that was frustrating to me. Um so I, I like the black the bracket buster. What I really liked about the bracket buster was like the return game the following year, and it was just like oh, all of a sudden there's this like really fun game in November that was a good mid major opponent that you didn't know like oh how did that game get on oh bracket buster fantastic yeah but I, I yeah, again, it's also going one... back I, I wish there was a way to kind of partner all of these different like seven through twelve conferences and figure out a way to schedule better uh we're in such a weird spot where everyone's trying to manipulate the net and so you know you got a school like baylor uh who i think baylor and valpo that game should be played but baylor probably wouldn't beat valpo by 50 but they'll beat mcnee state by 50 so they're going to go play that game because it makes more net sense for them and i feel like the valley the teams are too good to be rolled over but they're not good enough to get multiple teams in the tournament. And I think it's a really uneasy spot to be in. And I just, I don't know the answer other than it's really what I think makes the beauty and the fun of watching the whole conference season play out, because that's really the battles that we pay attention to. Yep. I think for me, kind of just bantering off of that, the two things that stick out are, can you do some of the MTEs? Like what is the purpose of the MTEs for universities? Is it to tell your student athletes, hey, you can go to the Bahamas or you can go to Chattanooga for three games? Or can uh, the the mid-majors band together and ultimately make their MTEs some of the best? The flip side to that coin is whether we start bargaining with another conference to bring back some sort of challenge is that at some point, because we're a 12 team league, or even if we expand, we might be put in a position where we might have to make that decision saying we're only sending our best four teams. And then mm-hmm. and now you're, you're collectively bargaining against yourself, your, your league. And so yeah. how does that play into the dysfunction of the league moving forward? Whenever we kind of bill ourselves as, Missouri Valley that that's close knit tight and stands together. So 
there's no way that we have no answers here. Like we've no, this is the perfect thing, but that's just kind of how I see the landscape of where we could improve, but also there's challenges to it. I wish there was a way that you could take a team. And again, there's only 12 teams in the Valley. So you have to find another 12 team league or whatever, but just say, okay, on the end of the season, we're going to take the Ken Palm ratings or the net rankings or whatever it is, a number you one through 12. And we're going to get two games. We're going to get a home and away game. So our number one will play at your number two and your number two will play at our number three or something like that. Right. And just like, and, and, and get a home and away because, you know, Valley was in, or Valpo was in an MTE this year. They played at Illinois. I mean, if, and, and also when you consider it, every game out there is an MTV because they're, they're, they're all multi-team events. And yeah, but Valpo played at Illinois, great homecoming game for Roger Powell. And then out of it, they got two home games, one against uh, Western Illinois and one against Samford, I think. And and that, to, to me, was just uh, – it, it worked, I guess. Or Southern, Western Illinois and Southern. And it worked to get two home games in. They didn't have to pay those teams to come in. But I'd rather go to a tournament. I'd rather go somewhere – you know, Valpo has been in Vegas. They've been in the Great Alaskan Shootout, which doesn't really exist anymore. They've gone to Hawaii before. They've gone to the Virgin Islands. Um, I'd like to go somewhere warm. It's really, it's really all there is to it. I want to go somewhere warm. You know, we'll solve the NCAA's problems at, at some point, Paul, um, on this podcast. So as as we wrap up here, I got a rapid fire for you. Um, oh yeah. All so right. buckle in. Feel free to, you know, plead the fifth if you need to, but uh, these should be relatively easy. Um, okay, so we're going to start with the conference. Um, yeah. The conference, the regular season conference champion, and first and foremost, um, I know you're a gambler, so we're going to do over-under on this one. Let's do it. I um, love it. I love it. The, the regular season conference champion will have over-under five and a half losses. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a great number. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say 14 and six wins the league. Okay. Okay. I like that one. That five and a half the winner is a really of the, good number. The, uh, the winner of the regular season will be the same as the Arch Madness champion. Absolutely not. Not a chance. All right. Not a chance. Um, Moving into some fun ones here. Um, your favorite arena in the Missouri Valley Conference, other than the Arc. Oh, oh man, you're coming at me with the hard ones here. Uh, you said this was rapid fire. Um, Illinois State. I just I love Illinois State. I I think it's great. They pet a bronze bird when they walk out there. And uh, it's also the closest uh, arena within driving distance to DP Doe. So that's that's my uh, that's my choice. Couldn't have said it better okay. myself, Paul. It's an absolutely horrendous pick. Let There's me so tell you. Let me tell you though. My second, my second favorite is Southern Illinois, simply because one, they have a bowling alley in the Union, and that has nothing to do with the arena. But the one game I've been at Southern Illinois, the whole like almost half the student body or whatever felt like was sitting in the student section playing Mario Kart on the scoreboard. And I thought that was awesome. So. All right. Um, back to Valpo, your favorite pregame meal in Valparaiso before a Beacons game. Um, man, that's, that's good. I really like uh peddler's pizza. They've got cracker crust. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I, the whole pizza's gone, and I don't even realize that I ate any of it. It's fantastic. 
your last one here, your favorite meal in St. Louis during Arch Madness. Well, not Emo's Pizza. Let me tell you, not Emo's Pizza. That Prevel cheese will kill you. Um, favorite meal in St. Louis. Um, man, there are so many great options here. Um, I really like... I, I just anywhere really toasted ravioli they just do it in a special way and there's a uh there's a bar in soulard that i went to that i don't remember the name of just a little hole in the wall bar and they had toasted ravioli and it changed my life and uh a, a friend of mine knows the bar he's taken me there twice i don't remember the name of it it's in soulard it's their phenomenal toasted ravioli and uh it's got a mardi gras theme in the bar um I can't remember exactly the name of it, but it's fantastic. Vince is going to think of that before we get done recording here. I can almost guarantee it. Um, real quick, my last one for you, Paul, and this isn't necessarily rapid fire, although you can answer it rapid fire if you'd like. Um, this is just something I was, it, it jogged my memory. I wanted to ask you this, and it's something I'm curious about. You guys changed the name from uh, Crusaders to Beacons a few years back. Um yeah. Where is that landed at this point? Like, is it kind of like, because I know at the time it was kind of a mix as a mixed bag with a response to the, the new name of beacons, is that kind of died down and is it just, you're the Valparaiso beacons going forward? Is there still a contingent of people and in Valparaiso um, from your perspective that are just, they want crusaders back, you know? Yeah, I'm um, sure. Where, you know, where's your, where, where's, where are things locally? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I grew up in Milwaukee with Marquette and they were the Marquette warriors forever and they became the Marquette golden Eagles. Yeah. And Many, many people complained for a long time. And then Dwayne Wade took him to the final four. And then it was like, for a lot of people, that was the Golden Eagles did that. You know, there's still people who complain about Warriors and, you know, the go woke, go broke. I hear that. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of that too with Valpo. I think the name, I think, bothers bothered a lot of people from that perspective of what we're talking about. Um I think the method in which they went about doing it and uh, like most of the people in athletics, the then athletic director, Mark Barbara basically said like, you look, this wasn't an athletics decision. This was a university decision and the university has kind of owned that a little bit. And I think there are some people who, you know, donors to athletics who felt like they weren't consulted, their voice wasn't heard. And I think that kind of pissed them off a little bit. And I can understand that, you know, um, I've kind of said if Valpo wins, it's not going to matter anymore, you know, Roger Powell, again, face of the university, has really done a good job of beacon up, see the light. And he's really kind of remember that when he called me even before he got hired and I've known Roger for a long time. Right. I spent I sat with him in Denver at the NCAA tournament when he was at Gonzaga. Like we've had a we've had a relationship. And and uh, he called me when the job was open and he said, you know, I'm putting my name in the ring. And he said, Beacons, I like that. I could do something with that. We can do something with that. And so um I think Valpo is, uh, they're leaning into it a little bit more, you know, the name kind of radiates a little bit. So, um, and, and I think they're going to enjoy that. I'll tell you this, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are give grief about the mascots. They got these two dogs that run around. All you got to do is just look at kids with these things. And, and that's what it's all about, right? Like mascots are dumb to begin with. They just are right. They just are like, no, like, and, and most of the time you don't care. Like Duke is Duke. I don't like, Yes, they're the Blue Devils. Gonzaga is the Zags. They're not, they're the Bulldogs, whatever. Like mascots are dumb. 
but like, what are they here for? They're designed to to make little kids smile and happy. And you see these kids running up to Beacon and Blaze and okay, great. Like, go for it. It's not my cup of tea. This past summer, I went to a Twins game. They got a stupid mascot that I'd never seen before. Went, you go to an Orioles game. You go to a Rockies game. They got scary mascots or whatever. It's like, okay, fine. Whatever. They're silly. They're fun. If your life is at a – and I get the people who are upset that they weren't consulted and all that stuff and the people who maybe played. But, like, if you're going to sit here and just be angry about a mascot name, like – Man, I wish I could be that. I wish I, I wish life could be that great that I could put mental energy into being upset about that. I'm really kind of. I'm, I'm making enemies of everybody on this podcast today. I love it, but you know I what? Coal, the I got coal in my stocking. I got coal in my so I'm 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 scrooging it up right now. You know what we're gonna have a lot of fun with though, Paul, is the upcoming rest of the 18 game Missouri Valley Conference season. You know, you can follow along on the victorybell.com. Paul, where else can people find you? Maybe uh, how do they go about subscribing to the Victory Bell? Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the chance there here. I am really a sunny disposition kind of guy. The victorybell.com, $5.99 a month, $59.99 for the entire year. Choose whichever one you want. Uh, gets you all the content. I'm looking forward here in the next couple of days. I will have a uh, a ranking, the Valley Starters article that will come out here. Uh, maybe a little... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get it in before all the fantasy drafts that are happening, but uh, taking a look at, 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 you know, I cover not just Valpo, but the Valley in general. Um, I'm on Instagram, the victory bell. I'm on Twitter, TVB Oren. Uh, and, and that's really, you know, where you can find me. Well, as always, Paul, thanks for coming in each season. And I know this will not be the last time we talk to you this year. Um, well, you see always, Valpo win those four Oren. games. You see those Valpo win those four games right off the bat here. And then, uh, We'll, we'll get back on. We'll be back. We're back, baby. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. All right, Valley fans. We just got done with a great conversation with Paul Oren of the Victory Bell. Uh, before we get to listener questions that we threw out on X, um, let's do some game picks. And that will be games number Four and five, starting off on Saturday, January 6th. Murray State is heading to Evansville, Baker. Uh, I'm taking the Aces because I believe they are essentially going to sell out the lower bowl, and this is going to be quite the atmosphere for this Missouri Valley Conference game. Unless I hear uh, Hummer Kaus is coming back, which I have not, I'm going to go with the hot racers. I think they're going to keep things rolling, going to Evansville and get a big road win. Oh, and I should have said, we are keeping track of our picks record. Uh, Baker has a two-game lead on me. He is 13-5 um, and five on the season, and I am 11-7 and seven on the season. So uh, Baker might be uh, uh, creating some space with him also by the next time uh, we record. All right, we will head to Carver Arena in Peoria, Illinois, where the Bradley Braves will be hosting the Missouri State Bears. Ooh, this is yeah. a tough one. Um, I wouldn't want to play uh, Missouri State after that loss because they usually respond well after a loss. Um, that said, Bradley's at home. Bradley got Hickman back. I Give me the Braves. I am with you, um, and I think I'm just frustrated with Missouri State right now. So um, I'm taking Bradley as well in this game. 
Um, the third game of four games on Saturday, January 6th, UIC is hosting the Valparaiso Beacons. I will be taking the Flames in this game. Flames get their first win for sure. All right, Baker. I mean, we don't even need to pick this game, but on Saturday, January 6th on ESPN Plus at 6 p.m., these two podcasters will be at SefQ Arena in Normal, Illinois, where the Southern Illinois Salukis will be heading to Illinois State uh, to take on the Redbirds. Uh, Baker, a little friendly wager here. Are you interested in that? Yeah, what do you got? All right, here's my offer to you. Um, whoever's team wins... The next podcast, you have to write a short poem about the game and <laughs> praising the other team that won. Done. <laughs> Done. Right. Give, you, me the, give me the Redbirds on Saturday. Without hopefully you know what rhymes with Saluki, Baker. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, um, yeah. Um, See you at Seth Arena. If there's any listeners out there, um, come find me and Baker. We won't be talking to each other um, before the game. We might talk at halftime, and, we'll, and one of us will be talking to each other at the end of this game. We will head to, uh, on Sunday, January 7th, we have two games. Indiana State is heading to Northern Iowa, Baker. I'm going to pick Northern Iowa. All right. Um, I'm going opposite. I'm going Indiana State. I don't love that uh, pick, Vance, but I I think Northern Iowa's starting to turn the corner. And I just this love is, this is a state game. I, do, I love I love Indiana State too. They're but if they're gonna slip up sometime in conference play, which I you know they're gonna lose a couple of games, this was a prime one to do it. Yep. This is this is yeah I agree with you. Um, this is a bad spot for them. Is, is I, the I agree. I just I'm I'm just write them till they buck me. Fair, fair. All right, and another sneaky great game is Drake is heading to Belmont. I would not want to be playing Belmont right now after Casey Alexander gets tossed and then they lose um, at the Van Terra Center. Um, to uh, Two number one teams um, sitting at three and zero going on the road to very losable places. Yeah, uh, give me Drake in that matchup, but that's another um, – that's a tough game, Vance. Um, I am going to take um, – I'm going to take Drake as well. Uh, I'm going to be looking at the Brody-Dia uh, matchup, but, um, man, this is going to be a good game. I will take Drake as well. It's going to be a fun Sunday for sure. Yes, absolutely. And then we'll go to Wednesday, January 10th. Um, where all teams are playing. So we've got six games on Wednesday, January 10th, um, starting at 6.30. Hey, we got a little bit of an offset of a, a TV schedule here, Baker. Illinois State heading to Belmont. Yeah, pretty excited about the fact that my Redbirds are kind of in that off game, just uh, playing that 6.30 matchup. Going on the road to Belmont, um, I, I have to pick Belmont in this game, though, just to be fair. I think the Redbirds um, are going to have a tough time going on the road to Belmont winning. I am taking the Bruins as well. Uh, Southern Illinois going to Valparaiso. I'm going to pick against Valparaiso until they and they're going to they're going to win one of these games. Um, <laughs> eventually, I I, tr I genuinely believe they're going to win a game, um, maybe even two. Uh, but I don't I can't pick a, I can't pick a team or to lose to them. So obviously, pick Southern Illinois. Yep, uh, same. Uh, UIC heading to Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Um, I agree as well. And then 
Murray State heading to Missouri State. Are you sticking with the Racers, Baker? I think this is where the the streak ends because it um, because I do believe that Missouri State is going to be coming off of a couple of conference losses because um, I think they're going to lose at Bradley. I think this is where they get it right again, though, is they get the win against M- Murray State in the battle for MSU. I like it. Um, and then the highlight probably of this day will be Indiana State heading to Drake. Um, Indiana State with tough back-to-back road um, swing here. Yeah, going to Iowa, and uh, that's two tough games. I'm going to pick Indiana State to win at Drake um, because I don't see Indiana State losing two games in a row. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's a coin flip game, Vance. I I genuinely have no clue. Going to go – give me Indiana State, though, because I don't think they're going on to. All right, and you know what? Right. Who's your give, give me Drake. There you go. I, I honestly thought those picks were going to go the other way. I got to make up some uh, space here, and so why not do it on a coin flip game, right, Baker? There you go. Um, there and you then go. the last one um, of the day will be Evansville heading to Carver Arena to take on the Bradley Braves. Yeah, if Hummer Kaus is back, I, I'd like to – I'd like to pick Evansville here, but until I find that out, I, I think that he's a such a big loss for this team. And like I said, Bradley's getting themselves right. So uh, give me Bradley. Yeah, it's hard for me to pick against Bradley um, at home against um, really anyone, but especially anyone not named um, Drake or Indiana State. And that is a wrap on uh, the picks for this week. Let's get into some listener feedback. Um, as we mentioned, from time to time, we'll throw out, hey, what uh, questions do you have for the March to Arch podcast? Or maybe just some uh, takes you want us to have. So, um, Baker, I don't know if you want to start anywhere, but um, I, I can just kind of start somewhere and uh, we can go back and forth here. I'll just I'll let you quarterback it and, um, you know, I'll take it from where we go. All right. Um, let's start with, um, interesting one from Bugsy. Um, always, uh, someone that throws out questions Would the 2023, 2024 Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois Silkies beat last year. Silkies. So ultimately what he's getting at is, um, is this Xavier Johnson led Silkies team better than the Marcus Damask Lance Jones one, two punch. What do you think Baker? No, but it's close. I, I it, like I think I I think the it's I don't want to diminish how good Marcus Damask was. Like as good as Xavier Johnson was or is go, having great season. Like and Lance Jones was really good too, but Marcus Damask was on another level. He was at that top of the league. Um I slightly favor last year's team, but it's it's a way closer than we thought it was going to be. And I think the bigger question Vance before uh, first off, what what's your answer before we get into the kind of Breaking this down a little bit. Um, no, because those were two. I mean, I mean, two arguably first team all conference uh, players, and Alex Jones wasn't. But um, th- those are two generational talents uh, for yeah. South Illinois. And yes, Xavier Johnson is all everything. He's the number two leading scorer in the country as of this recording. Um, but. I think you nailed it. We can't diminish what Marcus Damask was for the Salukis. No, I think it's easy to forget about him, too. He's having a great year at Illinois, by the way. Um, I think the one, the interesting kind of side conversation to come of this is you wonder if this version of Xavier Johnson would have played with Marcus Damask Mm. um, because he was kind of in a kind of a kind of more of a secondary role last year when you had Lance Jones and you had Damask. 
if this Xavier Johnson was playing with Damask, I mean, whew, I think they would have been, been really hard to beat. I think the better comparison here is if Lance Jones, there wasn't enough basketballs to go around on the team last year nope. for Xavier to do what he didn't, and the ball got stuck with Lance. So I just don't see um, Lance giving up some of his shots to get him to X. Um, so enough. kind of let's... take that for um, whatever you want. Uh, but, okay, let's move on. Um, what are your thoughts on the future of NIL money in the MVC? Do you think being a higher-ranked mid-major conference will hurt teams more or help them in terms of keeping talent? I think it helps us, and I also think it makes us more attractive for some of those guys who slip from the, the high majors. I think that's where it makes us more attractive because they see us as more of a viable option. Um, it's a really good question, though. Um, and I, I w- that's kind of my short answer. I would love to have a little bit more time to think about this one, though, Vance. Yeah, and um, I it, it, what I've said with the portal is um, the portal giveth and the portal also taketh away. Um, NIL, and they're in the same conversation. I think it hurts our top talent. Um, so I'm going to point to Isaiah Mosley um, as the best example of – Missouri State could not compete with uh, Missouri. Uh, Missouri State, by all means, apparently had a pretty good package for him and couldn't retain him. Um, yeah. I think when you have that that really um, generational talent come through your programs, you're going to lose them in year two. Um, for all we know, and this is me just speculating, we're going to start seeing some of this um, – in press conferences, we're seeing a lot of, of Power Five coaches talk very highly about opponents that they face and the players. And I'm specifically talking about Izzo, talking about how great Isaiah Swope is. You know, is this kind of the precursor in how some of the um, the some of, some of the dealings get done um, in the future? Yeah. Um, so I just nil Missouri Valley is just not going to be able to compete with the big big dogs. It is what it is. Um, I, I think, think being we'll be a viable able- conference, though, Vance, as 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 a viable conference who's in the mix mm-hmm. for an at-large, I think does help us in a way just because you don't look at it as, hey, this is just a one-bid league if you're a really good player like a Mosley three years ago. Now mm-hmm. you're – I mean, granted, when it comes monetarily, we couldn't really compete. But when it comes to product on the floor and being able to you know, be a viable option for an at-large, I think that does come into factor. Uh, with this one, but you brought up an interesting point about those coaches, like maybe playing the seeds or whatever. I know there was uh there was a lot of talk during college football season that because of how charming and, and how well liked by the players, uh, Deion Sanders is. Um, I know a couple of coaches who were kind of like those media desk people who were like, I would not during the handshake lines after the game, I wouldn't let my kid anywhere near coach prime. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I can, I can see kind of a correlation between that, but no, it's, that was a great question by the way. Absolutely. All right. Um, we're going to go quickly here. Um, do you think Bradley will get back to where they were at the beginning of the year by Arch Madness or will they be middle of the pack to bottom of the conference? Uh, Baker, I think you answered that, um, you know, in your power rankings. I still think middle of the pack um, up to maybe a uh, buy. So think four um, is, is, is attainable for Bradley, but starting 0-2 didn't help things. Yeah, I think their ceiling's fourth. Um, love this one from uh, Mr. Marcus in the making. Uh, one of our our favorite interactions on uh, Twitter. How, how would Jake Odom look in Shirts' system? Um, should we apologize to Indiana State's um, XAD for tough decision going from Lansing to Shirts? Um, in hindsight, that was high risk, high reward. So, kind of two questions here. How would Jake Odom look in Shirts' system? 
uh, he'd been phenomenal. I oh. think that he would have. I think that he would have been the distributor. Uh, uh, but the thing is, I mean, there's not enough balls to go around. They got so many great guards on this team. <laughs> I mean, he would have fit in because he was a good player. But um, Jake was gonna get his shots too. I think a great question would be: Is would he start for this team? Ooh, I like that. So, um, um, and I don't know the answer to that. I, he was so good, but I don't know if he starts for this team. Uh, <laughs> and then the second part, I mean, yeah, I think kudos definitely goes to uh, kind of that. I mean, listen, a lot of us didn't really know anything about Coach Schertz. We we learned about him as we did our research about him, but um, kudos to Indiana State for the hire because he's obviously been a great success. All right. Um, let's go to the next one here. Which Valley student section is the most creative or most intimidating for opposing teams, Baker? Um, I have two I, if you I, want me to go. Like, yeah, I'll let you go because I don't think I think I, we I don't think we've seen enough conference games for me to answer this well. But you can go ahead if you got one. Yeah, one I got a homer pick. I'm gonna say the dog pound. Um, they travel, they do theme nights. I think they look good on TV just from a filled uh, student section. Um, another one that usually looks good, but I think it's more of they're trying to find their place in the valley is Belmont. Um, I think their students show up for. Um, the national area schools, So they, they showed out for the Lipscomb game. If I remember right. Yep. Um, I think they do well when Murray um, goes uh, there, but they're also positioned well on TV, the best of the Valley. Um, so ultimately that to say is if they don't show up, it's noticeable and it's very noticeable when they do show up and it looks like a good atmosphere. Um, so those two stick out to me um, from a student section perspective. Yeah, I'll take your I'll take your Belmont answer. That's a good answer. There, the, as as being an atmosphere that that group when they do show up and they did last year for that that Murray State game was was rocking in Nashville mm-hmm. last year. So, um, and I think the game against Lipscomb this year, which is a uh, in town, well, a mile and a half away from each other, that was an awesome atmosphere as well. So, um, yeah, uh, Belmont. That's a that's a great answer. All right, and we'll do the last one here, Baker. This was the fun one. Um, thanks for everyone that sent in questions. There were some very team-specific ones that uh, Baker and myself will get to you out on Twitter, but I feel like we've covered most of it on this podcast. Uh, but the last fun one here, uh, <laughs> Baker, who wins in a Hunger Games of Missouri Valley mascots? Well, so a little bit, maybe set the stage on, on Hunger Games. So Hunger Games is a book and movie um, where basically you send opponents into an arena and only one person uh, comes out alive. So um, think of that from a, a mascot perspective. And Baker, I think you you did a, little, a lot of work on this question. Yeah, you know, I just did a little bit of thought and I was thinking about this because it's very interesting to think about this. Mike Leach actually did this about the Pac-12 a couple of years ago. And he had, if you guys can find that clip, it's awesome. Um where you know you take about you know you think about the animals the mascots whatever uh with these teams so i'm going to go through this and vance you can kind of jump in where you want to um as we get through mascots and uh we'll go from there Uh, i'm going to start with the redbird um i think the redbird's going to take the smart approach and just fly away because he's not going to last very long in this competition um i think he's best to just stay stay as far away from the fighting as he can because um, he's going to get squashed real quick. Uh, the Brave, um, I think a lot goes into that with the the question of, is the Brave on a horse? Is, do they have a bow and arrow? Is this, are we even going with the Brave? Are we going with a gargoyle in this situation? Yep. I think there's more questions. I think when we get into the gargoyle, that's different stuff. We, I don't know what you're getting with that. But just taking as a Brave on a horse, I think they're going to be um, kind of the upper upper tier, I guess, of uh, 
something of a of a mascot that's going to last a little longer. Sycamore tree is not going to last long. They're going to get taken out quickly. It's just a tree. Um, Saluki dog, no shot. Bulldog, no shot. Um, bear, very formidable. Um, Missouri State bear, definitely going to be very formidable. They're going to be really tough. You do not want to tangle with the bear. Uh, Panther, also really tough to beat. But I think the bear has the edge on that um, matchup, the Panther and the bear. Um, Bruin, obviously, everything I said about a bear applies to the Bruin as well. Um, the racer, it's a jockey on a horse, no chance. Um, the flames. Now, this is one that I think really makes you think. You don't know what kind of fire you're going to get here. You know, is this fire is obviously going to be a lot of trouble for the tree. Um, but depending on how fast is it spreading, um, you know, is it, it could mean problems for everybody. It could also get put out real quick. So we don't know what kind of flame we have here. So really tough to tell. Um, aces, I mean, it, they're going to be tough in a card game, but in a fight like this, they're no chance. They're kind of more in the category with that jockey. Um, have, you ever, have you ever dealt with a degenerate gambler, Baker? <laughs> I mean, unless the, unless the battle becomes a card game, I think, we're, I think we're safe to say the aces are probably losing that one. Um, going to the beacon, um, bacon I'm kind of looking as like a lighthouse or like a bell tower type situation there. Um, bear is going to do a ton of damage inside that thing. And if the fire gets near it, the fire is going to let that fire is going to come after it real quick. So um, beacon, not going to do a whole lot there. Um, so I, in my mind, I think the winner of this, um, in my opinion, is going to be the bear or the Bruin, whoever comes out on top between that force, force of nature's going at each other. Um, that's going to be a battle between those two honorable mention though, to the flame, because, we don't know what they're going to bring to the table if it's an instant flame that's just going to blow up and spread. Uh, Vance, your thoughts on any of this? <laughs> um, I think you took this in a very literal sense. Um, I don't know, in my head, I had, like, the actual mascots fighting in this. Like, <laughs> like see, I went got... with the Mike Mike Leach. He, he brought it up when he was coaching. Uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. When he was coaching at Washington State, he talked about all the mascots, and I was like, Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at this. And I've never, I don't think anybody's ever done this. So I'm with, I'm taking the flames for sure. Um, and the literal okay. and the mascot, because I'm going to assume like the mascots, like get their powers. Right. And so if you got blaze or sparky, sorry, not blaze sparky okay. uh, blazes, one of the Valpo uh, mascots, if sparky is running around shooting real fire, um, love sparky in, um, the hunger games here. Yeah. But how is sparky going to affect the gargoyle? Like if the, if they were going by those mascots, the gargoyle can turn to stone. You can't light that on fire. Listen, I don't know anything about cement or stone, but I'm going <laughs> to assume there's a heating element that maybe really just, I maybe, but I, certain I temperatures. think that, yeah, I guess so. I guess, I guess you maybe could get a melting situation there. Um, but that, but if you can go back and forth between that, I think that makes the, the gargoyle tough. Um, and, and the other piece to it is if we go back to the literal sense of it, if the, what if this flame is just a campfire? Yeah, you know, or, like the, I mean, the, the like bear's going to roll over, just going like to stop, drop, and roll. The sycamore's done, but like right. outside the sycamore, yeah. it's, it's that's it. There's not much stop, to do. Stop, drop, and roll. Um, bingo, bingo. Hey, I, if this is in the desert. I just want it. I just want it on record. If this is in the desert, it's the sluky all the way. It's the fastest land animal in sand. So as um, soon as the Bruin or the bear gets a paw on that saluki, oh. it's over what how does a saluki take down a bear i'd love speed no listen you're gonna get away but at some point you've got to tangle with this bear not if there's no food in the desert and they starve to death I mean, 
<laughs> I think you're all right. We're all bringing, yeah, we're bringing a little bit too much. Like I'm, I'm trying to be the game maker here, like actually trying to make the terrain in favor of the Saluki. But um, I think we can all agree, like the tree and your Redbird, they're gone first. The tree and the red, the red. I don't think. No, here's the thing, though. I don't think the Redbird's gone first. The Redbird's going to stay out of harm's way until yeah. it has to, and then it's done instantly. Yeah. Yeah, like, maybe but no I think chance. it. I think it lasts longer. Is the best way because, like, yeah, it's rude. It's bulldog, rude up in the like tree. The, right, right. There you go. That's a great analogy. Like the bulldogs. The, that's bulldogs, not fast. Bulldogs going to be one of the first to go. Yeah, Spike it's, might not just wake up from his nap. That's true. Spike Griff, looks sorry, real comfortable. Griff. Yeah, sorry, Griff, the real <laughs> oh, Griff. He sorry, was looking real comfortable in that chair the other night, um, especially since his team was up thirty. But. Um, <laughs> No, I think this was this was a fun question. Um, as far Absolutely. as uh, I know, that part of this question was uh, led on to uh, the beat writers having their own hunger game within uh, um, within the Missouri Valley Conference. We got a lot of uh, a lot of fun head on Twitter with that, but I'm just going to say because he was on this episode of the podcast, give me Paul Orrin. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's Paul. Um, honorable mention, uh, Wyatt Wheeler. All right. Uh, this is a really fun one. Um, thank you to all the listeners that submitted questions. Um, this has been um, the conference episode, kind of kick off to uh, games uh, four and five. We discussed, we had Paul Oren on the show. Where can people interact with us, Baker, along the way? Keep sending us questions. We can, we can hold on to them. It, we're, it's yeah. a weekly podcast now. That's right. We are now back to weekly this uh, for this podcast. Uh, you guys can find us on X, March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker. March Arch Mailbag as well. If you have any other questions, you can send them there. If you don't see a thread up on X, um, we'll, try to, we'll try to... Start talking about the Valley. Why not?